is not ready. I'm sorry. And you never will be because that's our motto at the Ronald Tindall Podcast. Oh, no. I'm very ready for these podcasts. I'm just not ready for that. Well, I guess I wasn't ready for the podcast, but I said I wasn't ready. But is anyone ever really ready? Were we really ready for what's been happening this last like couple weeks? No, it's been wild these last couple yep. weeks. Uh, it's... And because of that, I'm a drink to it. Salud, mis amigos. That's a Monster Energy drink. I also have a quart of vitamin water. Kevin, you bought me a quart of vitamin water. Actually, we left. should say who we are. That's how I'm, much blood I donated I'm, on Monday. I'm drinking the amount of blood That's you donated. That's scary. That's, hmm. Well, anyway. I got the boost to prove it. Good for you okay. donating blood, though, especially oh. now in these trying times. But anyway, I'm Jason. That's Angel. Yes. <laughs> That's Kevin. I think. I'm pretty sure. And uh, welcome to episode 224 of Ranta Podcast. Um we're calling this episode back on tour because later in the show we'll be re- revisiting Mario Kart Tour thanks to its new multiplayer mode, which, yes, if you're keeping score at home, only took eight months after the release of a Mario Kart for it to get a multiplayer mode, which is absurd. But uh, this episode, I mean, we were saying it's a weird time, right? And it is like, it's, I don't think anyone thought 2020 would be this all over the place. I mean, obviously there's, you know, global pandemic canceling E3 and being a global pandemic. Uh, and then on smaller scale, there's weird stuff like Reggie's now working for GameStop and like... Nintendo's making Legos and making, like, physical IRL, like, Mario games with Lego. Like, there's all this bizarre stuff. So, here we are with those topics. Um, since none of these topics really have anything to do with each other, uh, we're going to approach this a little bit like our episode's namesake, Mario Kart. And, like, you know how in Mario Kart you hit the item block and it randomizes and you get whatever item you get? I've never played Mario Kart. Really? You've never played Mario Kart? Never. You're on Nintendo Podcast and you've never played Mario Kart. Interesting to know. Well, anyway. Yeah, and I just played without, I- and I play without items, so yeah. I don't even know what the It wasn't on the required well, requirements. Well, yeah. we have no requirements. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's like, can you talk? You're in. But, uh, yeah, we're doing the equivalent of this foreign concept of the iron block to everyone in this room. Uh, and we're going to hit the iron block as represented by the sound, of course, of the iron block, which is what else? Or we can just use it and actually start. Right. And then we're going to have it randomized and we're going to pick a topic. So. Um, I feel like they sound different in deluxe. They probably do. This is from Mario Kart Wii specifically. The worst one. I agree. But given the trying times we're in, the worst item block is the one of 2020. Uh, 2020 is the I worst guess. Mario Kart, really, right? So, um, yeah, if you, if you don't want to play this game of randomization at home, randomtown.com or this YouTube video, if you're on YouTube, have timestamps on the blog post under the video. You can dance around this completely, but what's the fun in that? So, um, should I pick our first topic? Should I spin the wheel and see what comes up, so to speak? Yeah. All right, here we go. Whoa. I know, it's like we're in the game. Yo, Reggie joins GameStop. Reggie joining GameStop. All right. So um, the banana of uh, today's topics. (laughs) Yeah, really. Right. But it's um, I mean, honestly, though, who would have predicted that? Who would ever think that the sentence of Reggie joining GameStop would be something that we'd be saying, especially right now in 20, like after he left Nintendo and retired? Although him joining it does make me extremely curious, like what he even plans on doing because i mean he obviously wouldn't be joining if he didn't already have some kind of plan in mind he's not going to be like i'm so, going to join the sinking ship and just tell them yeah just just quit listen just, when just when si- when ships are sinking rats flee and reggie jumps right on i mean he has a history of this stuff he, Wait, so that was, he was on or what? well sort of nintendo was not in the best position when he joined i mean if you listen to that cornell podcast he did however many months ago like he was saying like nintendo's marketing was basically a mess he didn't even own a you GameCube know when he started i know he uh he didn't even own a gamecube when he started nintendo but he has a history of this like vh1 the rebrand they did in like the early 2000s or late 90s or whatever it was that was him uh the bigfoot pizza at pizza hut that was him 
uh, the Bigfoot Pizza at Pizza Hut. What is that? <laughs> so, <laughs> Clearly, he left the so, mark. Yeah. In, in that, well, he did in a way. So there's actually he actually considers that a failure. For it. So in the '90s, Big Bigfoot Pizza Hut had an idea of well, what if we beat the other guys by having the biggest pizza you can get? So it was like this massive pizza that was dirt cheap. And the trick was they – it was you know the same Pizza Hut pizza you love but not really because what they did to keep the price down is they got a whole second set of ingredients. And it was hugely popular because it was so cheap and the ingredients were less were of a lesser quality. Right. And then it did really well and in short term it was great. But then Pizza Hut started getting the reputation of having bad pizza. And Reggie was saying on this same podcast I just mentioned that um, – he considers that a failure because he ended up like ended up hurting Pizza Hut long term because everyone just assumed their pizza was now bad and they started going to other companies. But in the moment, for a year or two, it was like the thing until people got sick of it. I, I mean, Pizza Hut pizza is is terrible. I got food poisoning from it, and that's all I will say on that. <laughs> well, anyway, um, yeah. So he does like to jump on sinking ships, but it, it, we should be clear here he's not an employee of gamestop he's joining uh, the board of directors meaning he's advising gamestop on what to do so he's not like they're of course paying him out a decent amount but he's not like you know going in and being like man i really gotta go tell everyone to buy a game informer subscription and you know are they sure they don't want to get the used version for five dollars less or trading their game for two dollars like he's not doing that in case anyone assumed that in case anyone assumed <laughs> that you go in and you're like where's mother three and he's behind the counter like i have it right here like that's yeah, not the president of nintendo it's gonna be like <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a regular not even like the game stuff like the store manager not even just the like the district just, manager just, just a grunt yep exactly but the, the timing of it's really interesting because like it is a sinking ship GameStop's super down and out right now um I mean, you know, with digital downloads growing and everything, they've tried to pivot towards selling merchandise. Like, if you walk into one, it's like a weird hybrid of Hot Topic and a game store. Hasn't really worked too well. Um, apparently, their stock, as of a couple of weeks ago, was trading at $3.50. Prior to the coronavirus crash, was uh, trading at $3.50, so which is now? down. Like even less? I don't even know. But as of na- uh, a year ago, it was 11 bucks. Five years ago, it was 40 to 50 bucks. Um, according, there's the a mighty have fallen. I know there's this uh, rating agency called Moody, which is like Moody's, which is a big, you know, they rate all different stocks. They say it's junk. Uh, the company's debt Ooh. is so bad that they've downgraded their it to junk status, and they say that there's basically no hope for them in the future. And even this past holiday, their sales were down twenty seven percent compared to a year prior. So they're in trouble. And what really kind of sucks for them is um, it's all unfolding at a time when like the game industry as a whole is just kind of like not doing so hot because like we're in a weird in between with um you know generations so i didn't want to start with this but the randomizer chose it so nbd numbers came out oh, this morning no it'll be very quick it's like pitting was, the band-aid i was gonna say like blue shell, it's not listen listen someone <laughs> someone i know of at least two people out there and we have more than two listeners but i know of at least two people out there who appreciate this segment I'm not calling jason sales corner something i don't know but anyway what i was gonna say is like i'm not getting into like too much of the degree of the numbers but like the February numbers came out on Friday, and it's not great. Like, the entire industry is down um, 29% compared to a year ago. That's $755 million. Uh, hardware is down 34% because no one's buying Xbox Ones or PS4s. It's the end of their life. Uh, software sales, like physical, is down a third, 31%, because there's no games. Have you noticed nothing has come out since since the start of the year? Last year in February, we had Anthem, Far Cry, uh, Metro, Jump Force, all of those. This year, we have... Literally nothing. Nintendo didn't play a single game in February. I mean, those were mediocre games. But they all, like, had crowds that would buy them. Mediocre sales. 
Anthem was like on the charts for a month or two and then tapered off. But that month or two was in this period. Where, yeah, I launched that number. I mean, it was on like number seven, but it still was on the chart. But compare that to now when we have literally nothing. There's no game. I mean, true, I guess. Yeah. There's relatively. Zero, yeah, relatively. There's zero games. Um, if you look at the top 20 best-selling games of February, none of them are new releases. They're all old games coming back because they're just there's just nothing to buy. Did Apparently, there was a new release. I forgot what it was, but it came in at number 33. Can't even think of a big new release for any other conference. Exactly. It's been dead because everyone delayed their keep- stuff. I Everyone. Keep, I keep thinking like, oh well, like every game I'm thinking about like hasn't even come out yet because I'm because I'm looking forward. Literally the only one that I can think of. Which one? Grand Blue. There was Dragon oh, Ball yeah. Kakarot in, yeah, early, in January. Oh, that's right. And that was number one in January, number two in February. So it's carrying. It's actually as of right now the best selling game of the year because there's nothing else. But the um, game does look cool. It does look cool, but it's just so like definitely looking forward to Final Fantasy Seven remake next month. April. Wait, it's March. Next month. (laughs) And Resident Evil 3 comes out when... Isn't that also April? I hope not. I don't know. Maybe not. But but on the Nintendo side, there's Animal Crossing in a few days. And And Doom. Doom. Well, not on Switch, though. Already pre-downloaded on my Switch. Switch. uh, Animal Crossing, not Doom. I'm very afraid that, like... You know, of all the things to be afraid about with coronavirus, which we'll talk about later with E3, I'm very afraid of the fact that Best Buy's got closed and I won't be able to get my physical copy that I pre-ordered and then I have to download it and then my collection is ruined. That is the real concern of coronavirus right there. For which game? But Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. I just pick it up once once it opens up. But You'll be fine. Well, I'm just going to not play Animal Crossing? You'll be fine. I'm just, just How's that any different from I mean, your normal life? Touche. Touche. But no, what I was going to say is uh, excluding the, the all the sad numbers, I was saying the one glimmer of light is the Switch with the industry right now. It's the best-selling hardware for the month again. Ring Fit Adventure is actually charting higher than before. It's number eight in the top ten. Previously, it was number nine. That was its previous peak. Um, best month's best second best selling Switch game behind Mario Kart. So people want to exercise, and probably as they're stuck at home, is going to keep selling, which is nice. Um, but also, it also helps that the um, Switch had a ton of marketing in February. They had no new games, but they promoted it as if they did. I mean, they had a Super Bowl ad. Granted, it was thirty seconds after That's the Super right, Bowl the Super ended. Super Bowl happened already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the start of February. It's been a weird year. It's know. right. It's a uh, weird year, but yeah, they ran an ad for uh, the the father daughter Link's Awakening ad right after the game, and, which is the most this Nintendo thing been to the do. Longest year ever. I know. Seriously, this the last two days have been <laughs> the longest year ever. Um, but yeah, the most Nintendo thing in the world. Super Bowl ends. Everyone turns off their TV, and Nintendo goes, "Wait, but we are in the Super Bowl," and runs their ad at half price or whatever. But anyway, um. It, to circle it back, it's fitting that with Nintendo being the only thing saving the industry, now the guy, you know, I think that's up. Now the guy from Nintendo is the one trying to save GameStop. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Like he, so he's joining the board with the ex CEO of Walmart and the current CEO of PetSmart because, in his words, yeah, weird collection of people. In his words, the game industry needs a healthy and vibrant GameStop. That's what Reggie tweeted, and when I, I saw so. that, I was like. Does it? Does it? Uh, absolutely. As much as I dislike that place, GameStops are one of the few like brick and mortar stores that you can get for just plain video games. I mean, you can go to Walmart or Target, sure, but or Best Buy, or but Best Buy. But I, I like visiting GameStops, even though like I feel they are important. Not necessarily like GameStop what it's been doing, but I feel like I don't know if I well. I'm just going to skip to what I think like they should do. Like First and foremost, I think 
they need to really rework the rewards program because the rewards program sucks. Like the main reason I don't even really shop there. I just kind of go there just to look at what's available and maybe their used stuff, which is kind of cool. Because sometimes, I mean, they do carry a lot of used games, which mm-hmm. is really helpful when I'm looking for really old stuff. But like at Best Buy, like everything you buy gives you points that literally just turns into like money that you could use to buy anything else. Yeah, that's an unfair to GameStop, but. Like, if they had a point system that lets you build credit to buy any kind of game, new or used, that'd be great. Right now, their point system only really rewards you with used games. What if the points went towards that half of the store that looks like a toy store? Or anything, exactly. Like, now that they've expanded to other merchandise, it'd just be nice to be able to, like, use that credit for anything. But it kind of feels like that credit is just being used, built up for nothing. And for a while, they did have, like... Nintendo, I mean, Club Nintendo Star Rewards, like, oh, if you build up enough points, you can get, like, this awesome replica axe from World of Warcraft, and that was pretty cool. But they phased that out, and it's something... Even Nintendo it, it doesn't do from, that. It, it went from, like, <laughs> cool exclusive stuff to stuff you could find a Hot Topic, like, I don't know, like, wallets, like... Or, or like, whatever. a mug that looks like a yeah, warp mugs, pipe. lanyards, posters. Well, it's when they bought ThinkGeek. They got all that inventory they could use, and it's just, like, gene- like, ThinkGeek makes some cool stuff. It's like before- but it's all, like, it's like they were cooler before thinking. It's all, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, it's all like commodity so, items versus like more exclusive. You know, things. just like incentivize me to buy stuff there because right now, like Best Buy makes it way too convenient to go there. Yeah, and not to and, mention and they got rid of gamer um, gamers club unlocked and it's still more convenient. Yeah, because yeah. even without that, like just being part of the Best Buy or just having the Best Buy membership, they you get free shipping, you get free two day shipping, so it's basically like Amazon. Like, buying stuff online from them. Them and Amazon have been, like, very interchangeable mm-hmm. with purchasing things. But games, like, almost exclusively buy at Best Buy. So do you think um, – so Best Buy phased out their Gamer Club Unlocked, which gave you $10 – 20 off, $10 off every new game you bought on the, on the spot for a while. And then they phased that out. Amazon got rid of their, like, pre-order incentive – well, not pre-order incentive, but got rid of a similar thing. Do you think that now opens a door if GameStop's going to take the short-term hit for actually – like, do you think if they turn around their reward program, I that might be so. what it takes? Because, I mean, I started going to – I, I did Best Buy anyway, but I jumped in and like, more because of the Because even then, like, the majority – I mean, now that I go mainly digital, like, I bought Animal Crossing digitally, I'll still buy the cards at GameStop – I mean, at Best Buy just to get the points yeah. because it's like, why not? And then I'll just – I even buy the card digitally through their website, and then I just get the code, put it on the Switch – and everyone wins. Well, it's a win-win, I guess. Yeah, that that's it's interesting because I remember GameStop tried. They were like, "We're gonna redo our reward program to mirror," and it was kind of like to make it like Best Buy, but then they didn't get any of the numbers right. Like it was like yeah. the percentage was too low, and the points were you know like the the number of points you needed was too high, and but yeah, they they need to re they need to start again with the reward system. I mean, I feel that's kind of the core of it. That's like the reason why you would buy it at. at place a versus place b i could walk to a GameStop. there's like yeah. two walking distance yet i still would rather go to the best buy do you think since i guess we are kind of on the top a few times i buy something physically right so so you think it should stay kevin you were saying you think because it's one of the few brick and well no just left. like just a gaming store in general but yeah. if this one is to stay this is what the it has first to be them there's do. no one else really. well, yeah yeah well, um, I, was, I was thinking more, you want to see i was thinking just like more more rural areas that don't that uh don't really rely on a good internet connection because yeah, for some for some gamers out there that that don't have the the I guess the what'd you call it the bandwidth or the, not the, the bandwidth, ISP just, speeds just the privilege to have mm-hmm. gigabit internet out in yeah, the middle of nowhere. Movies. 
I mean, GameStop might be might be that destination for like like Angel said for like older games and stuff like that that you won't be able to get digitally. Um, as far as what they can do to save themselves, I have no clue. I do not know what to do. <laughs> I have one idea because the thing about if you look at the other industries that have like are based around different mediums, right? You have bookstores and you have movie theaters. Right? right, and both of those very strongly encourage hanging out there. Obviously, movie theaters are watching movies. So, but like, GameStop books... is already doing this. Oh, are they? Oh, right, they're doing that test market. That one. test market, yeah. I think, in Oklahoma. Yeah, or, that's or, right, or something like that. Which, where... to your point, a rural area that might have slower internet, that's kind of a smart place to try it. Yeah. So, what GameStop is doing is it's it has like some of these. I don't know what they're calling them, but they're like little hubs. Uh, one picture showed like eight eight uh computer stations set up all playing Fortnite. So like after school you just go play play some computer games with your homies or I think they said that they had a, like a space for like board games and stuff like that which <laughs> and I don't it and I don't very quiet think, high pitch one. <laughs> and I don't think they're selling games in in some of those stores. See, I think that's a missed opportunity. I think that if they combined I th- I think this is what your this prototype story you're describing makes sense cuz like they're basically doing what comic book shops do. Like when you go to comic book, like there's a, a core group of people that can keep those little mom and pop comic book shops alive because they're going to play Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! Whatever the kids are into these days. I don't know what else there is. And um, <laughs> I can tell you both of those aren't kids. I know. They're all adults now. They're all us. But um, well, Magic the Gathering was never meant for kids. Now. I know. It was always yeah. teens and up. Magic Gathering is what little kids grew into after Pokemon. That's why Wizard set up how it they It feels did. like everyone at work plays Magic the Gathering. Cause Some people at my office Magic. do too. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of tournaments and drafts nights and all that stuff but but to that point like those fe- those people that play it probably do like the equivalent of the pokemon train card game league which i'm a proud two badge holder of from when i was a kid two out of eight but that's two more than either of you guys i bet and that's um, still an f by the way <laughs> no but it's not it's not like you have to get all eight to win to to to, to get oh it is <laughs> the whole point <laughs> it, it's but it's not like a class where it's like I didn't know things. I just didn't progress. It's like a progress. <laughs> I started something. You guys didn't. Therefore. Therefore, I'm ahead of you by definition. Am I, I wrong? Mean, just barely. <laughs> Am I wrong? Two. Not one. Two. But and I still have them. I should bring them some. I know. They're like pieces of paper, aren't they? No. They're actual metal badges that say Pokemon on them. And the ones I saw at your house look. Nope. Like they are metal badges. I mean, they're printed on metal. They're probably right, like so, a yeah, so on yeah, metal. Yeah. So they're like a flat. You made thing. it sound like. Keep in mind. People don't know. People I thought, haven't seen them. You made it sound like I just got a post-it note that said you're no, you a good ma- kid on it or something. No, you made it sound like it was like a badge like that one that I'm pointing to. That no one else can see. No, above, you have, above the Splatoon. That's like the actual rainbow badge. Oh, yeah, no. So he's pointing to an uh, iridescent, metallic, very nice rainbow badge. Official Pokemon Mine's one like, too. you know when you get a badge? You know when you get one of those buttons that says like, happy birthday when you go like Chuck E. Cheese or Disneyland or something? And it's just like printed. It's like a blank basically a blank metal disc that they print on top of and they kind of wrap the paper around. Right. It's like somewhere between that and a real pin is what these badges are. But again, two that you Better don't than paper, have. Though. Two that you don't have. No, but um, my point is like those things could keep those shops going and there's enough of a clientele so to speak to keep it going. So yeah, I imagine the prototype store, if they did that and tacked it on with a game store or like maybe they scale back, you don't need every single used game box on the shelf at all times. They also don't <laughs> need... <laughs> they, they also... Yeah. There's something they need to change, too. They the need stickers. A, no, well... Oh. Guess, yes, I, the paper stickers, they absolutely <laughs> yeah. do. Well, yeah. well, well, it kind of... Yeah. Wait, 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 he's about to go well, off. Well, Hold kinda, on. It kind of goes go off. Let him go off. There you go. <laughs> you are... Oh, I already know that... You, I, 
I understand that you're hemorrhaging money right now. So right now, keep the paper stickers. <laughs> Ten years ago, when GameStop was the place to go, you and their profits were huge. You use paper stickers. Paper stickers. There, those are like five cents. You know, a, a plastic sticker maybe costs fifty cents. You know how many boxes were ruined because of those things? Countless. That's why you guys are in the crapper now because you <laughs> use those paper stickers. Well, on top Done. of that, what makes that? I really wanted to cuss in there, but I well, we could have bleeped you. I mean, what makes that so much worse, which is, what I, which, which is what I want to get into, is. It really always like infuriated me whenever they would open up yes. all the boxes. Yes, and they put That's the yes. and put the stickers directly on the plastic itself yes. instead of just leaving the saran wrap on. Like, and then they were like, "Oh, we are allowed. Let me just give you the one on the shelf." Like, no, don't give me the one on the shelf. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. I mean, say what's your grievance with it? Um, that they would just like open up the. He's they, saying the same. Thing. They would open up the game cases and right. just like leave them on the shelf with the saran wrap without the saran wrap. And then, you know, just apply the sticker directly on them. And also sometimes just sell you directly the ones that are on the shelf. And he means new games, not used games. Yeah, just new games. Because what they used to do is they'd have, because for whatever reason, even though they're the biggest game retailer in the world, they can never convince any of the publishers to, you know, give them an empty box. They would have actual copies of the game that they would open. And leave, like... New copies sell as new, quote-unquote, while secretly probably employees took them home and played, which is a And they'll leave thing. the instruction book on this so people would always get the Nintendo... Club Nintendo points from those. Yeah, like, But the case a bunch of would games. just be an open case, and they'd stick the stupid, stupid paper sticker on top of the plastic case. So when you're like, oh, I want that last copy of Chibi Robo, because it's like... Like, let's say Park Patrol, because that's a rare one, even though it's Walmart exclusive, roll with it. Um, and then they're like, oh, well, funny enough, we only have this one copy left, so... We can give it to you. Let me just get the little baggie from the drawer that has your cartridge in it. And I'll take it out of the baggie, put it in the box, and close the box. Oh, but the sticker's on it. Well, sorry. So you get an open thing as if it's new. That, yeah. the pre-order, or not it the pre-order. Cheap. The, I always feel like cheated. I, I, I think there are three. Let me unwrap it. I think there are, I just noticed how high my sound bars are specking because I'm getting very passionate about this. It's the one no, that likes physical boxes. always high because your voice is nasally. And... No, but more so, more so. Like, it's as if, like, it's as if my voice is, like, up in space. It's so high right now. But anyway, it's um that, the, the stickers, the opening boxes, and letting people take it home and saying it's still new and selling it at full MSRP, and the heavy, heavy, heavy pitching they had to do, which was a corporate mandate that when you go in and you buy your game, like, do you want Game Informer? No, I'm good. Do you have any games you want to trade in? No, I'm good. Do you want to pre-order this? No, I'm good. But if you don't pre-order it now, well, if you don't get it, no, I'm I don't good. even have that console, sir. Yeah, no, literally, there was one time I was there, because I used to go all the time. My, in, when, I still, when I was still in Montana, I used to go to the software at Sarah there, and the staff actually knew me really well and started saving me promotional displays of Nintendo stuff, which was really nice. And I'm like, I have like a Star Fox book and a big poster. EB Games. Um, yeah, they were all great when they were all individual, and then they merged together. But anyway, um, I remember, so they were great, but then when I moved out here... So, like, that was, like, the ideal store. And then I came out here, and I remember every time I went, they were always, even though they recognized me because I'd always shop there, they would just keep being, like, do you want pre-order this, 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 and this? And I'm, like, I was just here, like, five days ago and said no to all eight of those. And I only own one of the five consoles you're trying to sell me. But it was, yeah. So I think the over-aggressive, really the over-aggressive everything was the problem. They took advantage, they took for granted the position they were in. Does Game Informer still do print? They do. They do. They do. Hmm. But uh, they scaled back, though. They laid off some staff like half a year ago. Maybe? Yeah, it was, it was a while yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. but it's so I think, yeah, step one is treat your company like you're in 2020. <laughs> like, treat your customers like you're in 2020. Like, you can't pull that stuff. This isn't like an 80s mall anymore. Like, people are more sophisticated with their shopping. 
So you got to account for that. And number two is I think, yeah, if they did like – like look how successful Dave & Buster's is or like VR arcades as weird as they are seem to be at the moment. You know there are way too many and a bunch of your clothes. Right now like Dave & Buster's at least is killing it. So if they take a little of that, a little of like a classier shopping experience, like how Best Buy transformed into like a basically – like Best Buy was going down now and then they got all these brands to come and do little spaces inside basically became like an electronics mall. Like if they work the Amazon with, show, oh, yeah, okay. like you know, what I mean, like they have a Samsung section. Yeah. And it's just like this whole thing, and, and Samsung customizes it, and Apple, Apple and yeah. Dell, weirdly, or no, not Dell, but um, HP and Windows. Um, like if they do that with the companies, basically, how like if you go to Target or Best Buy, like actually Best Buy is the best example. Nintendo has like a real like decked out red section. They have like sections with different type of Switch units you can demo. Some are on a TV, some are like handheld, like an iPad, and everything's character driven. Do that in GameStop. Class it up, give some stuff on the side for people to do if they just want to hang out. Make it like a basically a comic book shop, and I think maybe that could do it. Maybe because I guess it is true that they are. It's an uphill battle for them. Very much. They, I think they squandered all their goodwill years ago. But if anyone can do it, Reggie, even though he's just an advisor and can't actually do anything. Well, we'll see. Because the Bigfoot GameStop, whatever that means, the Bigfoot of GameStop, they're gonna give everyone just like. You buy one pre-ordered, or you get one pre-owned game, and they just tape six other ones to it. Is that how you make a Bigfoot GameStop? Just like you just get a cluster of games every time you buy. Yeah, just do like a blind bag. Like here's a bag, buy it for thirty bucks, you'll get seven used games. <laughs> With you, who knows. knows what you get? <laughs> you know that would be kind of fun in the way that loot crate is for some people. Yeah, it's like especially for like people that like collecting old games. And you might get a copy of. Uh, what, Marvel's Capcom Two on Dreamcast in there, or like, maybe Superman Sixty Four. Yeah, like you never know, and that's the fun of it. Oh, it they only went cost you eighty five dollars. Huh? What they went through that retro phase where they were starting to sell like Super Nintendo games and sixty four games, which was smart. Except they didn't adjust any of their policies or any of their like. If they're gonna do that, you need to like make the you know keep the box in good condition, not put stickers on them. They were still doing that at the same. Time. Oh man, those paper yeah, stickers. Yeah, stickers. Dude. But anyway, I wish GameStop the best because like it's true. You guys raised a good point. There is nothing else like it for gaming. There's no physical gaming location, so. We kind of need it, but we'll see. Reggie, do work your magic, whatever that magic is. So that's topic number one. Do we want to hit the uh, shuffle button again real quick? Oh, I need to hit the shuffle button. Um, All right, here we go. What's topic number two going to be? You know, I I E3 getting canceled. E3 getting – wow, it's all the weird news. Uh, You know what I didn't realize about this until now? What? Um, Almost played it again. That's a really long sound effect. Like, when I was, like, sampling, I'm like, oh, like, three seconds, that's nothing. But when you're sitting here silently and everyone's on the other end, just like, can you just say the next topic, please? That's a really long sound effect. But guess what? We're going to do it, like, four more times, guys, so brace yourselves. Um, yeah, so E3 four being times canceled. Four more times? Three more times. Unless you forgot to write down one of the topics that Kevin proposed. I guess I did. Okay, well, we're shoving that one at the end. Well, we'll just add to the random shuffle. Anyway, so, yeah, E3. Um, well, this is going to be a fun one because, like, the world's in chaos right now and it's that's what's driven this. But uh, I, you know, of all the things in this episode that we're going to be discussing, I think probably the cancellation of E3 is the biggest of the bunch. Like it's the, like the ESA made the tough call earlier this week to not just postpone, but outright cancel E3 2020, which isn't going to happen or wasn't going to happen until June 9th through 11th. So it was months away. And like for me, at least, uh, and, and I imagine most gamers out there, the immediate reaction is disappointment. I mean, obviously like people's health and safety come first, but you know, it's, it's still okay to be sad about something that's less serious than death 
even if it's driven by like people dying and that's why they're doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to be like, oh, I'm sad this thing's ending, even though like it's to prevent uh, okay, de- death. Yeah, you were yeah. you're losing me for a second there. <laughs> did, I, did I say it weird? I yeah. think I said it weird. But um but yeah, and uh like for me in particular, I say it's time and time again, but I love these sorts of events because like it brings the industry together, lets you be at the epicenter of it all, you know, all that. And no matter like what they do in lieu of it, we're not getting that. So it kind of becomes like, what does this? Well, first, do you, do you guys care? Does E three disappearing affect you and your day and or anything? Or like, eh. one less thing to worry about. Uh, That's fair, Kevin. I mean, Sony wasn't going to be there. Nintendo could still put on a presentation. Xbox, I don't have one, so so screw them. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kevin? Did I'm you, I'm, like, I'm only more disappointed that we're not going to get a uh, uh, giant bomb E three. E three segments with uh, special oh, guests yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, like the nightly show they do. Then, yeah, yeah. E three at night. Yeah, and, and that's. I mean, a, that's I, I, I mean, I am is... bummed that I got in as industry this year and I won't be able to use that. I, yeah, I was, that, I was that, looking forward to having that badge. But... Yeah, we could have both gone on media day because I have media and you in industry. And media day is also industry day, and Kevin would have applied and gotten in as well. I would assume, but we'll never know. Um, but yeah, in terms like to your point about the giant bomb thing, I think that's the bummer. Is like. I mean, for me, besides me, like, looking at the broader audience, the bummer is, like, we're still going to get the news cycle. Like, the ESH claims they're going to coordinate with all the various publishers to have, like, a digital version of E3 this summer, which I think just translates to Nintendo airing its typical Direct and now every other company following suit. Like, Xbox already confirmed they're going to do a digital presentation, Ubisoft and EA. And EA, by the way, isn't at E3. They're across LA doing EA Play every every year. But they're saying they're looking at options. Um, But, like, all those companies, like, that was the start of the week. But it was then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when you had Giant Bomb, Treehouse Live, like all that stuff. And I mean, you could do Treehouse Live, but are they really going to do three days of broadcast from just a random room in NOA? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. But then Giant Bomb could do the same thing and just have people fly in, like, theoretically. Because part of what what Treehouse Live did is they had guests from the other companies come in. So I I equate them in my head to being pretty similar. I mean, yeah, theoretically, they they could do that, but... Like I've always loved them talking over like the press conferences and oh yeah yeah and it's because like specifically Giant Bomb has a West Coast and East Coast office so they would all come together to right I was like which goes yes. back to my like whole industry coming together thing that I like about it yeah and it kind of sucks because this year apparently Kotaku was reporting that uh, WB Games was going to host a press conference for the very first time they're going to really? highlight a new Batman game they're going to show a new Harry Potter game and they're going to show a new game from Rocksteady as in Arkham that isn't the Batman game probably that superman game or something but like they were gonna go all out and i mean they, they, still they, still can, they still can they're just not gonna have a live audience to react yeah. to yeah and that's the thing is like wb at least they didn't have a precedent presenting before so they could easily do a direct and find success that way with no problem and, and I, they could also be like no we never planned that like right because yeah. it because it was all it, it is it from jason schreier so it was probably true oh yeah he because, knows his stuff because that's nostradamus in the gaming world but yep yep but uh, I met him at the the uh, what's that thing that we did like four E3? years ago? E three. We went to E three together. Well, no, but we did that. Uh, <laughs> oh, the the indie summit or something. Oh, like the that? indie mix. The indie mix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right. I was with yeah. you when you met him. Yeah, I met. That's right. Like I was literally with you when you met him. I yeah. just was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you were, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so I guess as far as the news cycle goes, like, are we going to feel this? Like, is E three gonna be missing? Maybe not so much. Which on some level, like, that makes me happy. I mean, one of the things. Well, the things I was saying, um, I think in a recent episode of ours, is like if they cancel E3, like 
I want them to at least give us some sort of synchronized week of video game coverage to capture the spirit of like the Super Bowl of gaming. Well, we get a care package doing full it. of all the swag we didn't get. That would be amazing, but there's no way that's going to happen. I think but, what's going to happen is that this is the last ye- <laughs> the last E3. Last E3 was the last huge E3 that's going to happen. I think you're I right. think that publishers are going to see, hey, we can do this for much, much cheaper. Why would we ever yes. go back? I think Unless the ESA uh, throws some incentives to some of these companies, which, man, I I do not know. No, I the think ESA you're right. ESA is not loved nowadays. The ESA keeps making blunders. But no, I think you're right because we don't like – I mean selfishly, like if all the companies are like, we'll do our own thing. Like that sucks for me and you guys and people that can get T3 because like on one level, we don't get to play the games in sure, advance absolutely. in the same way. On the other level, we don't get to, like, check out the overly elaborate b- booths and brand activations and all that. And, like, to your point, like, when I look at all the things I do in a given year, E3, Comic-Con, one-time visits to, like, Pack East or WonderCon or whatever, GDC this year, if it happened, uh, I came to realize that's kind of what I thrive off of, is, like, going to these things and basically, like, for some inexplicable reason, I just love when companies are shoving their brands in my face, and then I like that the close quarters of all these brands being shoved in my face, and I can just be aggressively advertised at from booth to booth to booth. Like I, I do like I like thrive on that for it. some reason. I don't really know why, but um, yeah, one of the concerns is like if Nintendo's bottom line isn't tremendously hurt by this, why would they go through the effort of building a Luigi's Mansion in their booth? With real holograms or a new donk city with like a fake like city and giant statues, you know, if they could just throw a demo on the eShop and get broader reach that way or maybe do a smaller, simpler booth at like a regional PAX. What, why wouldn't you call it crossing a smaller, simpler booth? Well, I mean, they may do stuff like that, but that's not I guess they could still do that. But that one, if you look at the actual size of it compared to their E3 stuff is about it's, it's pretty small. That whole thing was only like one side of it. Well, like regardless, they'll still do that at other. Yeah, but it's going to be scaled down is what I'm saying. Sure. Cause like, like it's funny cause Nintendo actually put out a response about the E3 cancellation and they pretty much said they're looking at other options, which means now they're considering things they never considered, which who knows what that turns into. They actually said, um, uh, where's the quote here? Because of the COVID-19 outbreak, large industry events may be un, uh, untenable for the foreseeable future, but we're considering various ways to engage with our fans and while more to share as the year continues. Meaning, they could stumble on something better for them that isn't necessarily better for us as long as it does the same goal. It also can mean they find something better for everyone. Maybe they do like an E3 at home. I, I doubt that very much, but may, maybe they do. Hmm, E3 at home. They tried that one year with Nindies back in like 2015 or something like that. And the problem with that is... If you have a demo at E3 or even at Comic-Con or PAX or whatever and the system crashes, no big deal. The booth rep can reboot it. If you have people's systems at home crashing, that's not – that doesn't fly. You need to – like there's a, a quality level of demos that you send out through the eShop versus demos that you just have on a show floor because you, you, know, you can run them off dev units even, which you can't do at home obviously. Yeah, which is always going to be the roadblock in my mind. As much as I love what Jeff Keighley was doing with the Games Festival during the Game Awards where he had all those indies do Steam demos, there's always the risk of if you try and bring that to consoles, even though I really want him to, it's so much more polish required for the various companies. That's why unless, you, unless these companies decide to loosen up the yeah. decide to loosen up the the rules like you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah, but I think at the end of the day, Nintendo, Xbox, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony can't really afford to let games literally crash your system. I guess they could put a huge warning on the screen 
but how you tell like the average consumer like hey you're gonna try this demo but like if you're if your switch freezes for five seconds or more hold down the power button for 10 it's part of the experience i, I feel like it'd be more game crashes not just total hardware crashes i've had stuff lock up lock up at me at e3 before like full-on like they had to go get the guy that runs well the obviously <laughs> these games wouldn't have yeah, to yeah. would have to run on on completed system not dev units that yeah, they, that yeah, they take yeah. out three but which means more time up front for polishing from the developers but yeah if they're all game i'm game i'd that'd be cool i'd really like that um and i do nothing... enjoy watching all these press conferences from home yes i really like the but directs have i think directs have sort of captured that vibe and more frequently except this year i don't know where the direct is but um like generally speaking like nintendo's able to get that same sort of attention attention yes but i definitely wouldn't say vibe yeah that's true there's it's no way crowd. different you're right, you're right. You're right. like to kind of like bringing it back to something we talked about before um like rewatching the the god of war 2018 reveal like with the crowd cheering like with definitely it definitely feels way different than just watching the trailer you know just the video part on its own yeah which is what pretty much what you get on nintendo it's not like you hear like the you know the suits talking and like also reacting to their own trailers or something right that's a good point. I, I do wonder, like, do you guys remember there was a couple years where E3 was uh, the E3 media, media something, something summit? Yeah, yeah. Media, summit. media and business summit. Yeah, and what they did is they didn't go to the convention center because none of the companies wanted to spend money, apparently. So they rented out, like, six hotels in Santa Monica and just had shuttles. And they had a tiny show floor on the Bob Barker hangar, I think, in uh, Santa Monica. I wonder if maybe they do something like that. I don't mean on that scale. I mean they don't need to necessarily – they open it to the public, but it's maybe half the size. Do it at a different convention, a smaller convention center around L.A., Pasadena or something, and just have a few games. But scale it down. Basically do a L.A. PAX. But you, but it's, the thing about that is that you're still introducing the problem of – did they outright say that it was because of the coronavirus that they're canceling? Yes. So I mean, if you no, do not this year, next stuff. year, next year, future. Oh, year. next year. Oh no, oh, no, no, okay. no, no. They can't do anything this year. Yeah, like yeah, no, but I'm wondering done. if like. It, like the whole thing, it's a similar situation what's happening with other industries where like they're paralyzed, but what by what they have right now, and they can't break that because they don't know what the effect is. But now that the effect isn't there, they can experiment. Because like look at movies, for example, like okay, the studios, okay, uh, no, the studios and theaters, you know, they have this elaborate, ridiculous web of a relationship in which movies have to go theaters first. Then there's a home release. Like, smaller releases sometimes get a simultaneous release. Virtual release first, and then physical release. Kind of. And, you know, know. It's kind of weird how that just became a thing. No, yeah, and they, and they do that now with smaller ones. You know, so some stuff like Netflix and Disney Plus, are, they're getting movies directly. But big blockbusters always go to theaters first, because if they don't, there's repercussions. They may not be eligible for awards. The theater may not carry smaller releases from that studio in the future. It's kind of like, well, screw you, back yeah, to the company. I remember reading about that when I was looking at, oh, if I make a short animated film... Like, I wonder if I could just post it on, like, online somewhere and then take it to a film festival. But they're very strict about Yep. Yeah, like, it better not be anywhere online, anywhere mm-hmm. for, like, a couple of years, and then you could show it. And the flip or side... Or I think it's at least a year, because we finally saw Hair, that one that won. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that came out, I know, like, a long time ago. Right. And then, like, the flip side of that is, like, the studio may not, may not make enough money because home rentals cost less. So if they don't have a theater at their disposal... That's going to hurt them. Like, basically, everyone's paralyzed by the fact that this is the system, and if anyone tries to bend any rule... Like, remember when Netflix tried to, like, get Academy Award status for some of their movies to be nominated, and the Academy's basically like, we're going to ban all your movies, or you got to play them for, like, a week in a little theater somewhere. And they're like, well, guess we're playing it in a theater. And I think that is why the James Bond movie, No Time to Die... Is that why Klaus was in theaters for a day or something? Probably. 
probably just huh. so it could get whatever it needs or fulfill any contract. But now we have a situation. Huh. Where, huh. But now we have a situation where like all these movies are delayed. Well, the way you hunt, I hunt back. <laughs> he just gave me the weirdest look. But um, like the next James Bond movie, No Time to Die, not coming out till November. Uh, F9, the next Fast and Furious movie, is delayed a full year. Uh, Mulan's delayed. That one really hits, hits me deep. I'm sure it does. Hey, after seeing F8, I really wanted to see F9. And you can in April 2021. I don't know if you're I can't tell that. either. Well, because we thought and it was just so ridiculous that I just want to see how they could top it. Oh, it was ridiculous. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me go on a tangent here. Go ahead. This is about I love. I I've never <laughs> I've never said said this before. Uh oh. Because I just never thought about it. I guess I'm a Fast and Furious fan because I defend those movies more than I absolutely <laughs> have to. Like, not only that, I get really angry. I was literally talking to my coworker today about this. I hate when people say that the Fast and Furious movies like. When the trailer comes out and they're like, do you remember when these movies were about racing? They've never been about racing. They've the been first, about DVD theft. The oh. first one was literally a point break uh, ripoff. With DVDs. The second movie was terrible about like, <laughs> like it was like, plot dr- doesn't matter. Was like, but that one was like about yeah. dr- like uh, Miami drug runners. Yeah. The only one that was about racing was Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. And well, then after that, they just became action movies. Yep. They're superhero movies, but if the superheroes were cars. Sure. That's and pretty that, much that's, it. Stop saying that. They, oh, I wish that there were racing movies. No, go no watch. One, no go one... watch Need for Speed if that's your problem. Okay, <laughs> they, it ends with a Lincoln Park song, so I endorse that movie. No one, um, but no one. I'm sure they. I mean, actually, they probably, probably not what they mean, but I'm sure they mean that before, like other squabbles, like kind of respect to like a city. But now it's like, oh, now we have to save the world. They're like super spies. No, the thing yeah. I was gonna say is, no one, re- no one really wants it back to racing. The franchise did not. I know there was racing, but no one wants that imaginary. <laughs> back to racing thing it's like those people that like their band that sounds a certain way and they're like they're never gonna go back to that sound it's like well they didn't quite sound the way you think they wasn't did wasn't it you and Park no I'm fine with all their sounds basically Ugh. which yeah but um no the thing I was gonna like say is like albums. but yeah. like if if I mean they had like uh, I don't even how many albums let they me had? guess they had six good albums um, all of them Catalyst and that's a song the first one uh, the Catalyst yeah the Catalyst is a song yeah uh, off seventh, their fourth album Seventh Sun uh, a, a Thousand, thousand Suns which oh. was okay at best. I, it's my favorite of theirs. I'm not gonna Meteora. Lie. Meteora is their best album. It's, yeah. it's good. Hybrid those are the first two Hybrid, in reverse order. Yeah, those are the first order. two. Yes. Yeah. And those those are the first two you're two. endorsing those right are, now. Yeah, right those are the that was their first album. Hybrid Theory. In the oh. end, was on there. Crawling was on there. I would have thought the first album would be just be called Lincoln Park or something. Not everyone does a self-titled yeah. start. You yeah. know, funny Meteora enough, is the best. Hybrid Theory was self-titled indirectly because their original band name was Hybrid Hybrid Theory until they were told another band had that name, so they pivoted and became. Lincoln Park, and it's called Lincoln Park after the park in Samaka, and it's spelled wrong, Lincoln, because LincolnPark.com was copyrighted by the Lincoln Park Zoo, and uh, or not copyrighted, but they own the domain for um, Chicago's zoo. So Lincoln Park's like, well, what domain can we get? And they spelled it wrong and got it. And nice. now you know. Now we know facts about a mediocre band. <laughs> Whoa, shots fired. But anyway, I love them. Anyway, um, the right, point Chester. is... See, at least you redeemed yourself there. Uh, point is, all these movies, even Quiet Place 2, like that's supposed to come out this weekend, but and it was delayed yesterday. Was the same year as Iwata? Because they were both no, 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 they were, they were three years apart, but also both during Comic-Con. <laughs> it was weird. Um, Comic-Con is basically like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, if I, if, maybe Comic-Con should be canceled this year, because it seems like every two years or so when I go to Comic-Con, someone I'm a fan of passes away in some weird way. So. Yeah, like I distinctly remember being in line to get back into the bus when we heard about Iwata. Yeah. And then we were in Nintendo's booth, or Nintendo's, like, 
Yep. Um, and I got like 12 texts within a span of 10 seconds. Yeah. And then people come up to you like, Jason, are, are you okay? I, you know, it's funny. I was playing a demo of uh, FIFA on Switch with uh, our with our friend Eric, and he's like, "Jason, you um, you're you're not going towards the ball." <laughs> like apparently, I just zoned out because I was like, like trying to process it. Because like I've listened to those guys since I was like twelve. I met them like they're I'm the, like a huge fan. So I was just like, "What?" But yeah, that was that's a tangent. The point I was trying to make about um the movies is what were you talking about? <laughs> well, I was saying how like movies are getting canceled and the industry's paralyzed is kind of parallel to how they could actually use that opportunity to like shake up E three because um I don't know what's stopping I don't think anything's stopping the movie studios at this point from saying, Well, um no one's really going to theaters, coronavirus is a problem, so screw it, let's sell bond at a, as a fifteen dollar rental while everyone's stuck at home. Or if the Academy says, you know what, you don't need a theater run to be eligible this year, just release it. And then suddenly all the tests of whether a movie needed a theater they can happen. There's no worry about repercussion because there is no repercussion because there is no movies and are no movies in theaters. So like you can upend an entire industry because of this little pandemic we're going through. I mean, price prices. Would have they to could be probably honestly, they could probably get away with doing a rental at a higher price. Like, do you want to see Bond now versus waiting a year, or do you want to see Fast Nine now versus waiting a year? And people will probably be like, "Well, I'm stuck at home anyway. All the schools are closed. The cities are on lockdown. I guess I'll pay twenty bucks for Fast Nine. That's too cheap." Compared Too to cheap. what they would have made, fifteen dollars a ticket versus twenty dollars. Oh, because you could watch collectively. Yep. Good point. Good point. Well, they can experiment with this in some way. I don't know, but it seems like like maybe let's, let's say we got the gang yeah. right here. Yeah. How how many of it? That's like seven of us. Seven of pay us. Twenty dollars right? for yeah. Twenty dollars? No way. What if they did some weird thing where they scan I mean, your eyes through the TV and, and count and the, the number of eyes? Is that, like I I feel like if they were to say <laughs> it's the on movie, the system when you were like check it out, like how many people are going to watch it and be honest? Well, it's like <laughs> when you book a hotel and it's like maximum four, and you're like, huh, that's funny, eight. We're going to get six <laughs> other people with us. Yeah. Uh, no, but what I'm saying is like the funny thing is like there's seven of us, right? And let's say uh, who Universal Universal mm-hmm. says. Fast nine for a hundred bucks. All of us would be like, no, yeah, right. But if you do even the though math, there's seven, if there if we, you do the math, it'd be like, all right, yeah, that's about. I it. wonder if it huh. would be in their interest. I don't know how they would do this, but they could do like, yeah. So I guess it's a little trickier, but at least in terms of the release order of things, like there's probably gonna be some coming to video first that, or on demand first that weren't going to before. Maybe not the blockbusters, but some of the mid range ones. Sure. I could see like a quiet place, like too, some, maybe. Like some, no, that, that that's actually big make, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like some A twenty four movies would probably, yeah, like, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and you know, the thing is, like, regardless of like how the movies shake out or even what happens with the game industry, I feel like we don't feel it right now. But I feel like if you, I bet if when we look back at coronavirus in a couple of years from now, like when well, we assuming look, we survive, assuming we survive, when we look at the only time in history when Disneyland has closed for more than a single day, previously they closed for nine eleven. JFK's assassination and the Northridge earthquake in 94, each for only a day. First time they've been closed for weeks. When we look at the time, the entire, you know, entire countries like Italy literally shut down. When we look at every major sports league in America suspending games and the only fix you could get is playing NBA 2K20 or something like that, which actually, tangent, do you hear about that bug in NBA 2K20? So because there were no games... I saw oh, the headline. But. Yeah, because there were no games being played, the NBA Today mode, which mirrors the real league and kind of makes simulations off that to like progress as a manager or whatever in the game, it would just endlessly try and simulate things that didn't exist to the point that the game spiraled and crashed. Hmm. So, like, we're gonna get a lot of weird bugs like that thanks to this. And that, I actually kind of that's the one like silver lining of like Every one say bug is like I feel like I'm getting like transported back to work. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Right now that you're, uh, we're yeah, but it's it's bugs, stuff like bugs. that's gonna be funny. Um, 
bug. Like servers are gonna, yeah, servers are gonna get overloaded. Like netcode's gonna get all screwy. Like it's kind of nice that some ISPs like AT and T are lifting um, data caps for like the whole influx of which just shows you that how ridiculous. Fake. Yeah, data caps. I know, right, and and apparently the FCC is now mandating it in the time since I wrote these notes. Um, but my my point is, um, what was my broad point? My broad, my broad point is like the coronavirus is like a societal moment here, like. When cleanliness and science suddenly became important again, when the virus like hit every facet of our society, like Tom Hanks testing positive, the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, his wife testing positive, that there's even an employee at Nintendo of America who tested huh. positive, which means they're quarantining some folks at Nintendo now. But um, when I'm not sure we, left, <laughs> why did you? I was just tying it back to our podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> my, my, I'm laughing at you laughing out there. I hope they're okay. I hope all these people are okay. Yes. But when we look at like all this, all the precautions, whatever else is going to unfold from this, I'm sure the story when people listen to this in two days is different than us recording it now. It's going to be one of those key moments in society where everything just changed. In the same way 9-11 changed things, there is going to be a pre-corona and a post-corona. Corona. And I don't know what form it will take. I don't know, like, I don't like that the trigger of such a change is this pandemic that's killing along the way, like, growing exponentially and killing along the way. Isn't I hope everyone... So I, I could have sworn that, like, China, their their cases went down, like... Theirs did, but it's growing exponentially in other parts of the world, well, like here. So maybe I've never Italy. noticed this before, but have airlines always put a September 11 charge on their tickets? Like, just, like, straight up write it that way? What? I'm so... <laughs> what? No, they have not. What is that? Is that like a we're in an emergency, you need to pay us more charge? Because um, when I was looking at my brother's like yeah. ticket from United, um, we were just like looking at the total. I mean, like the price came out too, like it was fine for what it was. But like one of the charges was like September 11 security fee or something like that. I've never seen that before. And I was like, what? I think, I think that's <laughs> tied like, into like, what's going on. Because no, no, there are fewer Delta. I mean, I, 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 mean, I mean, I know like security like wasn't the same after like the nine eleven. Nothing was. Think about no, yeah, all yeah, the wars yeah. we went into. No, no, but like I mean, usually you would just suspect them just to. I mean, if there is a rise in Not security fees, call it's it just, yeah, it's that. I suspect. It's I, like, oh, okay. Thank you, United, I, for reminding <laughs> me. Especially because they were one of the planes involved. Uh, I suspect that... <laughs> oh, uh, why'd you laugh? Why is everyone laughing at <laughs> Oh, this? no. Well, because I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense then. No, but uh, I suspect, It was honestly, an aha laugh. No, I no. suspect, honestly, they did that because they don't have anything in their system for this. And that, and there's like, use the thing we used on 9-11. It is hit the button. But because there, there are more flights canceled on Delta right now than there were after 9-11, which is insane. Dude, like it's $117 it's, to go to New Orleans. I know. For Dude, like flying right now is amazing if you want to take the risk. Round trip. Round trip. Round wow. trip. I almost went I'm, to New Orleans. I'm so the problem like, is there's all this talk about like a ban entry into California, yeah, which isn't going to – I don't know. But anyway, regardless, um, yeah. like I hope oh, everyone – might be stuck in Utah. I hope – I might be stuck in Arizona. I hope everyone pulls through from this, but there's no doubt to me that like the other side of this bell curve – in every way, we obviously talk about it from a video game perspective, but in every way, is going to be different. Like, this is not going to be the same world in a couple months, six months, nine months. Every Like, a lot of stuff we're used to is going to have changed. If it all works out, it's going to be a very sanitary world. Hopefully. My other concern is people will knee-jerk even harder and be like, oh, this was like, I don't know, like all the people that are like anti-science will like double down and be like, this would have happened if you guys didn't do this, this, and this. And like, it could go one of two ways. I don't know. I'm kind of afraid that so, people are going to be so paranoid that they hear someone sneeze or cough, they're just going to immediately like destroy them like literally like destroy them because then they're touching them and if they do that they're gonna catch it yeah well unless you mean like from afar with a cannonball well, no. well that's it. they're being irrational 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the panic right now is irrational. Like, the toilet paper thing. They even made fun of it at the White House briefing today. Like, the doctors, like, you don't need that much toilet paper. And they all had a hearty laugh while everyone's wilting away from the Oh, well, disease. everybody was shaking hands. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> well, it's, it's a mess. their toilet paper fort, so. Yeah, right? But um, to, anyway, to go from the high level, like, OMG, what is happening? We're all going to die. Back to, like, the micro level of E3. And I realized the whiplash and absurdity of saying that. But bear with me here. Uh, my thought with all this is like, what if the same thing occurs with E3 is what's going on with everything else in society? Like there's so much talk, even from just a few episodes ago, that this could be a moment to pivot. And E3 has not had the best luck this year. The ESA, you know, they say they're doing it in 2021, but they don't have PlayStation as of right now. Jeff Keighley's out as of right now. Um, I am 8-Bit. This one kind of flew under the radar, but they were dropped the indie out. curator. They dropped out. They weren't the indie curator. They were going to be the creative directors of e3 oh that's even worse yeah wait what yeah they I were gonna be that. the creative director i thought of they were just doing creative direction for the indie stuff no wow they were that's... gonna be the the creative kind of directors cool. of the internet until thing. they dropped out because they didn't yeah. like how it was going so what i'm hoping is in the same way that this lets other companies and other industries rethink how they do things maybe this will be the esa's like chance to save face and be like wow a lot of people don't like what we're doing let's back this up let's rethink let's regroup we have a year plus now Let's really it's, think it it, it's like a blessing in disguise slash yeah. possible nightmare scenario for them. Yes, it's this will this will either go one of two ways: either publishers will just drop out in droves next year, or they really get their stuff together and publishers will want to come back in. Which, like I said, if if their bottom line, if the publisher's bottom line mm-hmm. is I think there I is know, a man, I think I there is a do. PR level to it too because I think the industry as a whole I think most industries as a whole are going to be trying to do this. Look, guys, life went on. We're back to normal now. A normal might just mean like you can go outside and and go high five someone in the street and not be six feet away from them. But I, at some level, I feel like some of those companies are going to be like, "We'll do it in 2021," just to like be like, "Yeah, we're back and stronger than ever." But I don't know, you know. If that's necessarily going to be the case, that's just a wishful thinking thing. I think you're right that the bottom line isn't hurt. That's that. That's the end of yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. So, so fingers crossed that A, people still like E3, the companies, and B, we don't all die from coronavirus. Dude, and yeah. remember, folks, wash your hands. Do 20 think, seconds. Sing a song. It could be a Linkin Park song. It could be not a Linkin Park so song. So how much of that <laughs> do you think would like also apply to Comic-Con? Or do you think that's like a completely different beat? I think it's very – I. it's the same but different. It's weird because like – Comic-Con, it's a similar thing. There are so many movie studios that have been backing out of Comic-Con slowly over the years, and TV's been filling that void. But I think what's a little different is with the games, it's heavily a marketing opportunity to maybe people who haven't played those games yet. So you go and you're like, I want to see the latest games. And then you're like, okay, I'm I'm playing the latest game. And it's like, what's that Xbox? Oh, cool, a new Forza game. I'm going to go play that or whatever. But at Comic-Con, it's more rewarding the fan base that already exists more often than not. Like the panels, like if you've never watched a show, you're not going to that panel unless you're waiting for a different panel. Or um, I, they, And the, the angle of it that is the marketing angle where movie studios used to go and like, you know, I sat through one panel that was um, Bumblebee, Venom, and Spider-Man and Into the Spider-Verse. And it was like, oh, I like uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They did, you know, cool stuff. I'll go see the Spider-Man panel, but I was there for all three because they just batched them together. And they were able to promote to me. Um, and even then, like, you know, not every, some people are just like, oh, it's the Marvel panel. I'm just going to go. But those are scaling back. But I think like the more fan interactive stuff where it's rewarding people who are fans and just kind of getting them to double down and spread the word to their friends, that will probably stay. And 
marketing agencies are still going money off that. And there's a whole like trade industry around this, the marketing, the craftsmen that build the booths, like all that. Um, so I imagine that, I imagine that half of ConCon will live on, but maybe the big like tentpole studios won't be there. They're already backing out. This is their excuse to fully leave. In the same way, E3 is like, well, like you know, some people go E3 like me to be like, I'm just gonna go bask in Nintendo. But a lot of people are like, I want to go play these new games and see everything there is to offer. So it's like the ratio. Which realistically, these last couple of years hasn't exactly. Yeah, like you're waiting three lines for a demo. Yeah. So. So yeah, and then like with Comic Con, it's like it's like the ratio is different. They both would do the same. They both do both of the same things. But the ratio of ConCon is more rewarding existing fans by letting them like kind of digest more information and more things of the things they've already watched and enjoyed and put money into. While E3 is more of a forward-looking, here's what you want to spend your money on next. So it's a slightly different – to answer your, your question there, Angel, I think it's a slightly different thing, but there will be some overlap hmm. if that makes sense. The question is, is ConCon even going to happen? Eh, it doesn't seem like it. But yeah. I mean, it's also the first year that I got all four days. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's also a couple months out. Here's uh, the thing. I think E3 had to be canceled as early as it was because they need time to let developers make their demos. Like, everything obviously needs planning, but the thing with the demo is you have to earmark a whole bunch of time to make the demo, polish the demo, put out the demo, make a slice of a game that's maybe separate from the real game. I don't remember who it was, but there's some something I played one or two years ago at E3, and they were like, oh, this is a scenario that's not even in the real game. We made this just for E3. I think you played it with me, actually, Angel. We were playing something that was exclusively E3. Like, it was not a thing in the final game. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That definitely and, happens a lot. Yeah, and, like, that requires time. So they had to cancel E3 really. It's the only thing in June that's been canceled in, across the board with all this craziness right now. And it's because, like, they need to know now if they should invest the time or not. The nice thing is it means less crunch for the developers. Like, the upside of all this for developers is, like, granted, they're working from home, so maybe they still have to crunch down the line. But, like, they get a little more flexibility well, yeah, and a little one more breathing sprint room. they have to do to get exactly. that demo ready for E3. Yeah. More than one sprint, probably. Like, well, I mean, what's an average game dev sprint? I know in my company with websites, it's a two-week sprint. So I imagine it'd be, like, 12 or not 12. Well, I mean, like they have sprints. so many so often for a bunch of different things. I'm sure right. it just gives them, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a three-week or four-week gap they don't have to worry about. Exactly, which means that's more time to polish the final product and get it out on time. Yeah. Um, so, like, for them, it's great. Uh, Comic-Con, you obviously have marketing stuff. You have to build the booth. You have to make the videos. But that's way less advanced notice by comparison. I feel like you could – like that's two to three months versus five to six or four or whatever. So I imagine Comic-Con, they're going to push very close to when they really need to decide. So is this what Adult Swim has been doing by doing their own separate event in October? They're like, oh, you can either catch up the Comic-Con or not or just see everything that you saw there. A little. So Adult Swim, that one's an interesting one. Um, they were trying to do a music festival first, and then they tacked on the rest to make it worthwhile for Adult Swim fans. So Turner, Warner Warner Media, who owns Turner, who owns Adult Swim, mandated – or not mandated, but they were saying to all their brands, um, you need to have a live element. You need to have some sort of event element. You need to engage with fans in the way that Comic-Con does. And they basically told every network, you got to do it with your brands. That's why Conan all of a sudden started doing like uh, – live events and the Team Coco house and things like that. Like, he'd do tapings, but he wouldn't, like, host a weekend of comedy at Comic-Con or, like, they just did at the NBA All-Star game last month because they were basically mandated by higher-up. Comedy. Ha-ha. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, um, uh, no, but the idea is, like, you're not, it's it's like a holistic view of the brand. It's not just a show you watch on TV because no one watches TV in the, in the millennial cord-cutter world. It's like, well, you go catch a few bits on YouTube, you like what you see, maybe you buy a ticket to a thing and they'll make money that way. It's basically what bands do. You get the album on Spotify or Apple Music. You're not, they're not really making a ton off that. But then you buy the merch. Then you go to the show. They were trying to simulate that. 
Adult Swim Fest, I mean, it didn't exactly work. I don't know if they're going to do it a third time. I know the attendance numbers haven't been the highest they've The ticket wanted. was also really cheap. Yeah, this year it was. The first yeah. year was normal festival price. The first year, Run the Jewels was there. That was cool. But Yeah, Run the Jewels was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, we were both there. Um, but, yeah, this year, the lineup was, I don't even remember who was on it, but I chose not to even go. Metalocalypse was there. Yeah, yeah, was, death, yeah. Death that was Friday. But Saturday was like, oh, no, Young Thug backed out. It was 2 chains, yeah, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and some others, but Lil Nas X also backed out, if I remember yep. correctly. He also did. Yep, but um, yeah, so it's 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 a weird time for events in general, because I think, yeah, I think generally they're going to double down on fan interaction of existing content and kind of back off, like, so the forward-looking stuff, because they realize they don't need it with the internet. But we'll see, we'll see. But that that's E3 getting, E3 getting canceled, should we, any other thoughts, or should we jump to the next random topic here? Next random topic. Okay. Let me play the thing. That's like two seconds too long. We could talk over it, by the way. And yet no one did. And we will not. <laughs> what is Rob's it? new oh. show. Hmm? Rob's new oh, show. Rob's new- oh, yes. So oh, here's God. here's one that like you wouldn't expect, but we got to put the random man Nintendo. If another Death wild appointed. Another wild 2020 thing. Would you have guessed that the It's Always Sunny cast? I mean, only Rob's in it, but... Two Multiple people of, of the cast are involved in the creation of a video game dev themed show for Apple TV Plus. Nope. Everything about that sentence is weird. Charlie Day's the creator, the co creator. Yeah. Huh. It's uh, the guy that plays Rob, whose name I'm forgetting. Rob, Rob McKinley. McElhenney? No, you're Mac. Oh, wait. Yeah, guy got backwards. Yeah, Mac. The guy who plays McElhenney. Mac and um, Charlie. And then I think Mac or Rob's wife is also involved in this one as a producer. I think I saw her name on credits. And also, it's written by Megan Megan Gans of Community, and then she went from Community to it's on tip my tongue. I think she just like some Modern Family stuff, but yeah, that's what it was. Modern Family. Anyway, so it has like quite the pedigree behind it. Very funny shows, like uh, they have like some well-known actors. Yeah, yeah, they got well-known actors. Danny Danny Pudi from Community. Community. Ashley Birch. That's why he's in it because she did it. That makes sense. Ashley Birch is which is one of the most famous uh, uh, voice actors right now. And, like, a direct connection to the gaming world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we watched it because we're like, oh, cool. A video game. I, I imagined it would be, like, Silicon Valley, but video games. Right. And it, there's some elements that are similar, but I, I'm going to let you, Kevin, you wanted to bring this one up, so why don't you tell us your What thoughts. do you mean I want to bring this one you up? You suggested we talk about it, which, uh, I which just is said, good. should we talk about it? <laughs> and we're like, yes, because you brought it up. So, no, what are your thoughts on it? Because I feel like you had the most uh, visceral reaction as we were watching. So. I thought it was in the... How do I put this? I feel like the first episode was okay, I'd, and the second one was like, oh, God. At best. I, and we only saw two episodes. Could get better. The, the third episode started, and we're like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> that This is true. So for me personally, I thought the best that it was was mediocre. That first episode, we, we chuckled twice. There were one or two things where we maybe guffawed. Sure. <laughs> and And then that second episode... Oh, man, that second episode was bad. And, yeah, for all we know, it got better, but... <sighs> you know the thing that drove me crazy about it? So, so first, um, it is... Uh, how accurate is it? I mean, obviously, there, it's satirical. Well, well should, we, should we bring up what it is first? Oh, yeah, that's true. So, you, go for I, it. I guess I'll, I guess I'll do it. it. So, so, Mythic Quest, in this, in this world, Mythic Quest is like a huge MMO, and uh, there a brand-new expansion that's coming out that's called Raven's Banquet, and Rob McElhenney's character 
is the creative director, I think, for, for the expansion. He, I don't uh, remember. Well, of the whole yes. game. Yeah, for the whole game. He created the game, and he's the oh, creative okay. director, okay, so yeah. everything runs through. And he's, like, really pompous. He's really full of himself. Uh, there's the lead designer. I forget her name. The girl with glasses. Lead, yeah. Apparently, there's a really big game. You just have one lead designer. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, called television. And then and then uh Cricket from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Who is he? He's, he's the, the biz dev guy. He's a producer. He's a producer in biz okay. dev. So he's the one trying to fi- or no, he's he, not biz dev, he's just a producer. Yeah, he just funds yeah, everything. Just, biz yeah, dev so is Danny Cooley's character who's trying to shove monetization in. Which let me tell you, yeah. as someone that deals with that in the internet world, it's uh, that's always the worst. Yeah, and then Danny Pudi's <laughs> character is trying to like essentially pay for not pay, uh Mon- it's not best. Mon- he's he's what, what's his name? Like he had a he had a specific it wasn't Creative money making director. I don't know. Well, well, yeah. No, but, but he basically the he's the guy in charge man. of the yeah the microtransactions in the game, and then there's a lore master played by this. I don't, I don't know who the guy is, but there's this old uh, fantasy writer that they have for the lore master for for Raven's Banquet. Pretty much writes all the back backstories. Yeah, writes all the backstories. And yep. it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> and the name of the show for some reason is Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. Like why? And yet, all the footage of the game is just for honor assets reused. It's so, <laughs> and Ubisoft, yeah, provided a lot of the, a lot of the actual like game stuff, which retroactively explains that really weird moment at their E3 conference last yeah. year where they just out of nowhere promoted the game and said like, "Stay tuned," but didn't explain why they they were doing sure. That. Yeah, and so like the transitions are oh, the transitions. Oh, I hate those. Are like one of them was like okay that one's Assassin's Creed like one of the characters jumping into like a, a haystack a haystack <laughs> yeah uh, there's a couple like for honor stuff on there there's some like really low res uh, gameplay clips in that whatever man to to be fair that's how that's how blase I am about this show to, like, to be fair they do use right terminology when talking about this stuff sure so so I guess like they're accurate in that way. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like to be fair, it's not like it's like. Oh, and I forgot is, the two lesbian. Uh, oh, uh, uh, QA, QA, QA testers who they're for some reason or bisexual. I don't, I don't know. And they're for some reason trying to get them in a relationship. Like it's like it's really like they're trying to get them in a relationship, and it's really like the first episode is like super heavy handed, and it keeps getting heavy handed. Yeah, and then like one episode, the second episode, they're like spending the night there, and they're like, oh, no one's here, we can run amok, and they're like, doing stupid things like, why would you not just like go home? <laughs> Like why yeah. are you spending the well, night there? You if you finish your your QAing, go home or like <laughs> no one would ever do that. Okay, yeah. so that's the basic I mean, you premise. Know. That's yeah. the that's the basic premise of the show. Now, now let's yeah. So so as someone that's in a studio that does these things, I mean, you how, think how's for it like feel? how big they say that game is? Yeah, like to me, you know, since I work at a studio, it just looks like what someone that's never been in a studio thinks a studio looks like. Now, do you think part of the reason it Cause they don't, has it, that it, is because they need to keep it small because you can't have a cast of thousands? Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like it's somewhere between, like, Grandma's Boy and, I guess, real life. Maybe closer were to Grandma's Boy. Were they in the basement? In Gra- <laughs> they were. No, 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 Grandma's Boy, that, that one takes place, like, in a studio. Oh, okay. Uh, it, the, oh, the, the, right. the main character. No, like, Grandma's Boy, the studio is actually somewhat legit looking. It's like a multi-conference room. St- no, like the, no, the, the, no, no, no. But the way it's run uh, is, also, is like way yeah, yeah, more yeah. fantasy. Because, but yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the game studio, like you have a bunch of different different. Like you could almost make like the whole cast that we see could pretty much just comprise just the QA department. Right. So like, I don't know. I feel like it kind of loses a little. In that aspect, I, I mean, know, a lot of people don't they, know that. Though. No, I know, but well, I don't know. Like, even just like watching it, like only two QA people, like they're just, I don't know. 
It's a little... Maybe, yeah, there's yeah. a suspension of disbelief you have to have. But I do think it's weird that the entire show is shot in about three rooms. And all those rooms had the weirdest bloom lighting effects on them. Like I, it, I it, still don't know what you were talking about there. You, there's a, you, you had there's an a issue gl- with the lighting. There the is a glow. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. We were all going like, what are you talking there, about? There yeah, is, it, listen, it, was, it bothered me and it bothered me enough that us, like, of all things I remember from the show, I didn't remember any of the parents, I didn't remember anyone's names, but I remember the bloom lighting. I, like, I don't remember. You know, like the... Up. Some of the lines you know, the writer lighting guys said they, that were pretty funny. No, they they have a couple good lines. Like, and the nice thing is, it's written in a way where it's not mocking games. It's aware of game culture and it's addressing things from game oh, culture, man, like that's, monetization that's, that's, that's in streamer, games. That streamer kid. Here's, oh, he's oh sucks. that part. <laughs> like oh. the, 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 the first time he came out, I thought I, it was, I, yeah, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was gonna be just like a like a, a one time joke, but then he also became like their exposition dumper. Their so, a new so do you want to explain, Kevin? You have such a way with words. Sure. Would you like to explain this to, the, sure. to our so, audience? So they lampoon, uh, basically PewDiePie. But basically, so the yeah PewDiePie, uh, Twitch streamers, and I guess just gaming YouTube personalities yeah. all in one. Yeah. In this like thirteen year old kid, I don't, I don't know how old he is. Uh, his name is Pooty Shoe. And oh, the, the, there's like how'd you remember that? Because I, I hate because I hate it so much. That's why. <laughs> Um, and there were parts where we we're like, "Wait, was this kid streaming, or is this a YouTube video?" Like, like they couldn't get, they couldn't get that part they right. Like, we were just confused the entire to, time. To, to elaborate, they had a live chat window on top of his video, and he was interacting with the audience. And then the chat ended, or like, then he's like, "I'll see you next time." And it cut to what happens when you finish a YouTube video, where it's like, "Watch these other related videos," and had like an outro. And it's like, wait. But wait, it had like a player that looked like YouTube. It's like, uh, wait, but he was that's live. That's kind of a thing, though. People can like create like outros. And stuff. No, let's back on this. Let's back on this. But the video, it, but it was a video, and it had like click here to to yeah, it had, like, to a the click next video. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, anyways, they they sort. <laughs> I guess it makes sense in this day and age. Oh yeah, let's let's poke fun at like yeah at like uh, Twitch streamers. But they're it's he's too big of a character. He's too big of a character. Not only that, but like they make it seem like this this kid's Jesus. Like yeah, oh, it's yeah. like oh, if your just, game's popularity will will literally is all success, dictated yeah. on this kid. I mean, I hate to say it, if Ninja and the like didn't do the Fortnite stuff, and like, if celebrities didn't hop on those streams, would Fortnite have blown up to the extent it did as fast as it did? I mean, so if but, you're looking for a quick buck as but, a biz dev guy, the thing about that, you kind of want but, that. But the thing opinion. about I mean, that is, like, it's so overly exaggerated. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Because like the most street, the most viewers that Ninja ever got was like two hundred thousand, and that's when he was playing with like Drake, Drake. and uh, Juju Smith or, or so, that. Was so the thing about that, you're and right. then this kid is supposedly getting like millions of viewers yeah. at the same time for. Yeah, no, the, to that point, I mean, you're like right. The thing, any Nintendo gaming, not a lot of them are like huge streaming successes like Minecraft and yeah. Five Nights and Freddy's were, and yet they're still setting like. Gang yeah, no, games. I think I think they needed to figure. They need a bad guy. He's the, the bad the, guy. The idea, sure, he's but, the bad guy. But also, doesn't even really feel like a bad guy. He just feels like no, not him, know. but his decisions. Oh, they needed some op. They needed a foil to everything, and his your game. I determine your game success is basically that. And I think what they're doing, and they didn't do a good job, clearly, is I think what they were doing is saying the influence of this kid. Not so much that he, the rating, but like, you're right, 200,000 people watch Drake, but Fortnite was on Even every he, news site when that happened. It sure. was everywhere. So I think they're trying to say that kid is that, but you can't, we're really overanalyzing a silly I mean, sitcom, <laughs> but I think I think like honestly, I think that was what they were angling for, but they handled no, it poorly. I, yeah, I mean, yeah that's... I mean, even when he was supposed to be a foil, like they never made him sound like all his decisions were his own. Because like when the whole shovel thing, 
Like, they knew exactly... Like, they already knew what was going to be successful. The foil of anything was just the lead designer who yeah. wanted to design it yourself, but then they're like, no, do it this Spoiler way. Spoiler for the second episode of the show. I like, like, oh, if, if you do it this way, like, they're going to hate it, and yeah. obviously she does it that way, and everyone hates it, and then, you know, they go back to some other designer. You know what I think the bummer about it is? I mean, he was almost just, like, a plot progressor at that point. Okay, no, go, well, go for say, the I think, I think the bummer about the show for me is, like I was saying before, they nailed the, like, topics. Like, it is game stuff that's not mocking gamers or the gaming industry in sure. a way that's, like, aggressively, like, we're on the outside looking in. Sure. Like, they're, that's nice. And they have good talent behind it, and they have a good cast, but they just squandered all of it by not quite getting the puzzle pieces correctly, like, together. Like, they have all the elements. They just can't... They couldn't get them to, like, coalesce or whatever the word is together to, like, actually become, like... You know what I mean? This like, might, it's like they lined it up wrong. Yeah, this might get, get me branded as an SJW or whatever, but... One thing that I found completely inconsistent was that lead designer character. The woman. Be- the woman, yeah. So she's playing the straight man yep. of the show. And, like, you're like, okay, she just wants to be known and stuff like that. In the second episode, she calls Cricket a soy boy beta cuck. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I've only spent one episode with this character, but I feel like I understand. But, like, she went from... They completely changed her character. Like, right? Like, and I she get, became and, such a dick in the second episode. <laughs> and I get that some of that is, again, because they do, on some level, get the gaming community. There is that subset, unfortunately, of gamers who say that stuff when they're trash-talking. And I think right. they're trying to... I see what they're trying to do, but it, not her character. That didn't make like, sense. Like, it would have made sense for, for Rob's character. Yeah. Or he, maybe even did. Danny Puddy's character. Yeah. But, yeah. like, not for her, her, it was like, you're the... It yeah, will, it, it, it was like huh. it's, there's, they have like I said they have all the right pieces. They just couldn't quite put the puzzle together, and that's what's kind of unfortunate because it had has potential. All the things are there; they're just not quite right. The like she shouldn't like, say it; someone else should say. Yeah, it. someone but else. The, but the yeah. joke works because there is like right. the four chan audience of gamers that for sure exactly. say stuff like that in normal conversation as if it's not a weird thing to say. Yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a very weird. In a way, I hope it has enough of an audience that it gets a second season. It, it already has a second season. Oh. They, they halt well, the production. Apple, yeah, uh, well, yeah, because yeah, of so. Corona. But mm. see, every topic today is going to tie into Corona in some yeah. way. But um, no, I hope like I hope they figure it out. Maybe they just maybe it's just growing pain. And for all we know, they did in like episode eight. But we didn't as get far there. as like, I just don't care. It's... And, yeah, and that's the problem is like you got to start strong. You got to start strong or have a interesting uh, enough of a. If you're not gonna not be strong, you got to have enough of a hook. And the problem is. It's basically Silicon Valley. It's a workplace comedy set in. Um, it's not even Silicon Valley. It's a workplace. It's the office, but a game dev studio. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Essentially. So right like, to the point that literally there's two sets. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like Silicon Valley, I think did it right. Silicon oh, I Valley. Agree. I love Silicon Valley. Yeah, I even but, thought a lot of people aren't happy. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it, but a lot of people didn't like the ending. But I thought it made total sense okay, for the, I, I for the life cycle of sure. a company up there. Uh-huh. But I won't say anything more than that. Those who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. But anyway. Um, wow. Yeah, was there anything else about say about Mythic Quest, or do we go to our final randomization? Because I think we're on no, two topics. Definitely left. didn't help that. I mean, mm, yeah. I love Always Sunny Philadelphia, so like my expectations were high. It's interesting because because like, oh, I love that show and I love video games. Sunny is such wrong? an anomaly if you think about it. They've been on for like fourteen years, fifteen years, and yet they aren't. It's not significantly like you know a lot of shows like the characters become super care uh, super. Uh, characterizations of themselves characters of themselves yeah and they like and you know they start like kind of kind running of whole, on fumes yeah like the, the office yeah around season six it was like oh man yeah or is... like uh there's an, i'm trying to think there's another example that's that, that's something that's escaping show, like... me. but somehow sunny has 
dodged that. Maybe because it was so absurdist to begin with, you can't make it more absurd. The, the, the but funny th- thing how is that, did like, not run out of ideas? The funny thing is that, that that shows, like, the characters, like, they pretend to go on arcs. It's like, oh, like, this character's finally learning to, like, be more selfless and care about others. But, like, every... I mean, it's kind of like a cartoon. Like, everything re- just resets itself. But even, like, the Simpsons. Yeah, because yeah, there's no time. character growth. That's, yeah, that's, that's what it's like. It's like, yeah. yeah. If anything, there's, like the opposite of character growth for the characters around them. That's the only way well, you the know that... The are the same, and that's running... Well, granted, it's been around for twice as long, so I'll, like, I'll hold The only thing that changes is just, like, anyone that the characters interact with just become worse, like, just like yeah. a cricket. He went from being a priest to, like, the resident crackhead. Right. But... Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like her. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. But, uh, yeah, no, but it, uh, maybe that's what it is. You might be right. It, it might be because it, they treat... This, they tr- it, you know it's very much like what community was trying to do where everyone's just like isn't it I mean there's some growth with the main character like the dean which is this absurdist character that was just there like it's like a Sunny is just the dean but everyone's the dean yeah cause like they're like the characters in that show at least the main character they're like they're like the worst kind of people yeah like every single one of them is just one of those kinds of people but Somehow, oh, I forgot like, about the assistant character. To, like, I just remember the oh, assistant. Oh, the assistant character. that's a bad April Ludgate impre- impersonation from Parks. Oh, oh yeah, huh? right. We should straight up April. I about the therapist, but that's a different character. The ther- oh, the HR. Oh, yeah, that, oh, HR that, that joke I think was okay. Where the like HR she was telling group. everybody, I am not your therapist, yeah. I'm just HR. That was the, okay. Yeah. That was, that There's was a, funny. again, there's good ideas, just, yeah, but, but no, the yeah, the assistant of of uh, of. What's his, what's his character's name? Rob's character's so, name? No, so it's Cricket's assistant, but oh, she right, loves but she, Rob, and so she joins. And that's yeah. the joke, but yeah. yeah, and but she also like has all these weird offhand dark comments, and she's basically April from Parks and Rec, but she's blonde. It's, yeah, she's yeah. not. It's very. Strange. I wouldn't even say she's April. She's just worse than April. Yeah, worse. I like April. April in Parks. I like everything about Parks. Parks is the best. Anyway, um, any other thoughts on Mythic Quest before we do one more roll of the thing? Uh, I thought Andy's character in the first season was pretty intolerable. Oh well, he was he was designed that way. Yeah, but he was yeah. developed that way. He was supposed to be that way. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, because he was only me, supposed to be... he's supposed to be this like we're talking about parks, right? Just make it yeah. clear. Okay, for listeners at home, we're talking about parks. Yeah, he was supposed to be. Um, this he was annoying... just a special guest for the first season. Like, yeah, if was... you look at the opening, it's a special guest. He was supposed Pratt. to be like this annoying like like parasite essentially that just was like a thorn in everyone's side. He wasn't supposed to become a real thing, but then they realized there's some chemistry there with like maybe what of him in April and that, and then they made him a real cast member when they made the show better from season two on. Because season yeah. one's, eh. season one was trying hard to be the office while not being the office. Season two is where it found its own like soul, so to speak, and ran with it. In my, my opinion, just throwing out there. Um, any other thoughts before I hit randomize one more I'm time? Say anything else? Hmm? <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Um, so there's two options left. Let's see what's gonna be. Last time we're gonna roll this guy. It's a really long time. <laughs> Mario Kart Tour. Oh, okay. okay. Right, excuse me. I don't want to. All right. Um, Mario Kart Tour. So, yeah, it's back. I mean, it never left, but it's back in our lives, at least briefly. Because oh, that they, reminds me. I forgot to delete it. They, uh, well, that's his impressions of Mario Kart Tour. But the reason we're bringing it up is Mario Kart Tour, they released eight months in, as I was saying at the top of the show, the multiplayer mode. And there it goes. And goodbye, Mario Kart Tour. And, um, yeah, so Angel and I tried it. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you've played. I'm never touching that game ever. Okay, again. so well, <laughs> oh, you know what? They do have that that detective baby. Rosalina. Okay, yeah. Can we talk about that before we even get into the game? Um, the one good thing that you should play Mario Kart Tour for is the absurd new riffs on characters they're doing, and I hope some of them spill over into other games. I made yes. a list. I went through and made a list of every single one. I'm just gonna read it, and you're gonna think it keeps going on forever, and it does, and then some. So here we go. 
they have Musician Mario, Mario and Peach in special kimono and Hakama outfits, Ooh. Halloween Rosalina, Pastry Chef Shy Guy, that's a cool one, uh, Vacation Outfit Peach, Santa Mario, Bus Driver Waluigi, Holiday Cheer Daisy, Party Time Rosalina and Reindeer Yoshi in the same tour, uh, Happy as in like I as in the Japanese word, Outfit Mario, and Party Time Toad, Wintertime Peach, Baby Cherub Peach, Aurora Rosalina, Hiker Wario, and the best of the bunch, Detective Baby Rosalina, who puts her magnifying glass not on her one exposed eye, but on top of her bangs that are blocking her other eye. Because I guess you don't really need to see through the magnifying glass, you just need it for show. And I mean, like, if Pink Gold Peach or whatever she was called became a real thing in real Mario Kart... They damn well better put bus driver Waluigi in a real Mario Kart or Detective Baby Rosalina or any of those. I doubt that they would put those, but like skins are always an option. Yeah, in in any capacity. Uh Well, I mean, Baby, Baby Pink Gold Peach. God, that name. Or is it Gold Pink Peach? Is that that's a character, right? Metal metallic. It's Gold Gold Rose Peach. Peach. She is a separate character entirely in Mario Kart, like normal Mario Kart. So like I I you know in addition to metal Mario and gold metal and, and gold now they Mario. have like dozens more so I'm just saying it's like, like why can't they just be alternate skins like the Yoshi's I know because they weigh different right so as a result and these guys all have different stats so like get ready Mario Kart Nine when it comes out it's just gonna be 500 characters but really only 30 that's my theory but um, no no I I, I absolutely think that those would be incorporated as skins I hope so like Smash Bros style yeah it, you know it's not even Smash Bros already does skins. They're annoying me. Yeah, that's yeah. that too. I, I don't know what's going on with these mobile games. Like, Nintendo's just throwing all their ideas against the wall. Because uh, Dr. Mario World, they have a similar thing. Every doctor now exists. There's Dr. Drybone Bowser. There's Dr. Fire Mario. Like, I don't understand. It's just Mario with fire powers. But he's separate because they can always get the stats. Um, I will say, though, actually, if anyone wants to get back into Dr. Mario World and try out Dr. Fire Mario, uh, Nintendo Online just did something good. I think for the first time since the game came out a year ago, they actually figured out how to ban cheaters. Apparently a bunch of people were modding the game to just like instant win, in, like insta win when you play online, and now that's fixed. So if anyone out there likes Dr. Mario, especially in this time when we should be fighting viruses, um, go back. It's actually fair now. But anyway, we're here to talk about Mario Kart Tour, not, um, not Dr. Mario. So Angel and I tried Mario Kart Tour. I did not play as Detective Baby Rosalina, sadly. But, uh, Andrew, what do you think? You you um, have put more time into it up front than I did overall. So what's your take as someone who played it for a while and then dropped it and then came back briefly? I know you deleted it again. And but then like, dropped it again? Yeah. I saw no difference at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. The way... Because you have to realize, like, Mario Kart... Mario Kart Tour, like, even though you can get good at the game and, like, there is some, like, learning curve to the controls... Once he gets you here, his chair's just my his chair's out. His chair's like you know what? I shouldn't have this close of contact with humans. Six foot, six feet apart, social separation or whatever it's called. Chair moving. Go ahead. But (laughs) in spite of like how good you get the game, the track design is so simplistic that it pretty much limits what you can really do outside of, I guess, just drifting at the right time. Which honestly, like the the range is so wide. It kind of doesn't really matter. It pretty much just comes down to what items you get, which kind of comes down to what track you get, which comes down to what characters you happen to have. So whether you're playing with computers or with real people, it literally doesn't make a difference. If you're playing well, the items will either screw you over or you'll win. So yeah, when I was playing like with a group of 
people that did like maybe five or six races with like a group of six, four, three, and even one, a 1v1, they really didn't feel any different from playing with computers. Playing against you felt like I was just playing a time trial. So, to be fair, I also was very far behind you. <laughs> Guys, those controls, like, they've gotten better. When the game first came out, it was not to those controls at all. Once they uh, allowed the toggle for manual drifting, I got a little better with it. I mean, if there was any um, latency, I didn't notice yeah. it, so I guess that's a plus. That's, that's what I was about to say. Is I think it's fine because, like, it's almost like we have the same point, which is the underlying, and this is, I think, Kevin, your point. I'm never touching that again. The underlying core structure of the game, or core gameplay, is still... Uh, it's still like some people love it apparently but it's just not it is not clicking with me and i feel like it didn't necessarily click with you guys based on everything but what they're doing on top of it with multiplayer like what they implement is actually like kind of nice like it feels like a fully fledged thing i mean first of all they kept the little toads floating around in space when you're on the online lobby screens which is the best but in all seriousness like the, what they did is kind of nice like um you can play locally so like me and him could be sitting next to each other here on our iphones and we can immediately, you know, he can create a lobby and I'm right in. And it doesn't really, you know, try and figure out is it through the internet or whatever. It just does it and it just works. And there's no, like, connecting to your friend or put your iPhones together or pair them or anything like that. It just works, which is nice and kind of un-Nintendo-esque. And then, like, the actual modes they have are kind of nice, too. There are three different modes. Um, the Friends one is the one I just mentioned. Then there are Standard Races where you play against anyone. And those change... Um, pretty frequently that's the other thing i think is kind of cool about it, is they actually rotate what's going on in these races frequently to keep you playing so standard it's weirdly 100 cc i don't know why but the item slot uh change like the rules around the item slot change twice a day so half the day you have like normal item slots for the other half you have two item slots instead of the normal setup and you know they kind of are giving you some variety to come back but what's neat i think is then they have this gold race thing what sucks about it is it's part of the gold pass meaning you have to pay to use it but that does weed out people. So, like, if there's a huge influx of people coming back to Mario Kart Tour to try multiplayer, as I think Nintendo's anticipating, they literally tweeted when this came out from the Mario Kart account, hey, did you set it up with a My Nintendo account? Good news. If you deleted the app, all your data is still here. Come on back. Um, I mean, not quite in those words, but that's what they were saying. Um, so there's going to be a huge influx of people that don't know what they're doing, like myself. And it is nice that Nintendo and, I guess, uh, DNA or whoever helped make it had the foresight to go, well, there's some real decade players that play this every day and are going to get frustrated by that. So, like, why don't we do this gold race setup? It's for the people that really play. It's part of the paid thing, but it's faster. It's 150cc half the time. The other half of the time, it's 200cc. The rules rotate double speed, so four times a day it's at two. Each beat has a different item slot rule. So, like, they're trying to give it some variety and make it better for people that are already engaged while also trying to onboard new people. As someone that deals with that sort of onboarding stuff with sites for, at work, like, I get it. And I think that's a really good way to kind of balance both audiences. So, like, again, the idea behind it's good. It's just Everything the else. core game is still what it is. I will say, though, going back and playing it, the controls were not as frustrating as I remembered. I mean, they were better in November when I last talked about it on the show, but... I like. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily be hooked on it, but I don't see myself never touching it again. I'm not deleting it, so I, I guess that's a win for Nintendo. I, I, I don't. I don't really know. But um, what I really, what I really want is just um, bus driver Waluigi and Detective Baby Rosalina. <laughs> really like bus driver Waluigi. What? It, it's just he looks so stupid. <laughs> I mean, he does look <laughs> stupid, but he's dressed like a British like gentleman. So he has like he's like brown and beige outfit. He has like a little plaid shirt on, no hat. He's like a, he's supposed to be like a a, a double decker bus driver. Yeah. He just looks ridiculous. 
In the same way that Detective Baby Rosalina is ridiculous because one, that's t- one too many descriptors on her. And two, like her magnifying glass is on the wrong eye. Like everything about it is just absurd. Hiker Wario isn't bad either. He's a little backpack. But the thing is, Wario never hikes. So I don't know what that's about. It's the same way that like I was at Walgreens the other day looking for hand sanitizer. Because like I said, everything we're going to talk about is going to tie into coronavirus in some way. And I glanced at the toy section. They had a Jack's Pacific exclusive gold Wario $5 figurine. Gold Wario is not a thing. So I was like, what is this? And then I look closer. It's not just gold. It's like rusted gold. It's basically like there's some crazy wow. cannon for Wario. Uh, it's as if you don't play Nintendo games. That's what? So What's he, what? What? Where? We actually is have he that gold rusted? Wario in the ro- in the room over there somewhere. The same one I'm talking about. Yeah. Wait, what is that from? Rusted gold Wario. It's from Wario World. Every it turns to rust. No, you. It's a it's a golden statue that you build. As you play the game. Oh, well, that's disappointing. Because I like to think Jacks may have a whole made-up canon that, like, a Midas touch situation where it got too greedy. And now, and then he turned to this gold. And it was so long ago that he's rested. But I guess it's in Mario World. Yeah. Did you play that game? I own that game. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he didn't. I, I, I played it a little, but not enough, clearly. It's like also, it was, like, 2002. So, like... It's really hard to forget the statue, only because like when you press pause, it's like literally the thing that you, the biggest thing you see on the pause menu, and it's rotating. You sure about this? As you're building it up, but then um, oh, he's also like taunting you the whole time, going na 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 na. I remember the taunt actually. Yeah. I'm looking this up, looking up images. It's a good thing I had the internet here. Yeah. Oh no 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 no! This is different. You're talking about this, right? Sorry, I'm knocking the mic. Talk about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the one you're describing is a solid gold, actually quite nice and brushed gold statue of Wario. The one I bought at Jack's, which I don't know if it's Wait, the one you have you in the room, it? because I thought it was so weird. And I was like, this is not canon. The one I bought at no, I Walgreens know. for Jack's is like decrepit. Well, it's like what the Statue of Liberty looks like before it's cleaned, if it didn't oxidize. So if it was like a bronze version of that kind of gritty metal, he looks like that. And that's what. I mean, me off it's Mario. He likes gold, so they just made a gold variant of him. But why is he rusted? Why is he like decrepit? Like, what's look, that about? No, why the, it look yeah, no, mine does. It's like they made it look like like it's like old rusted gold. I mean, like it's like has splotches and stuff. I mean, I guess like Kevin, I could talk here while you go look for it in the room, just because I'm I'm pulling up a picture your of it. Description just makes it sound. I'm pulling up a picture of it. Like it was like some golden statue that was found under the ocean. Or that's something. what I'm saying. It looks like it looks like there is some sort of secret Atlantis of Wario. I'm going to eBay for it. Wow. You see? It? Look at the texture on it. It's like a different shade. And it looks all like brushed, like rusted. And I could bring it over sometime. Huh. It's different. That's my whole well, point. He has it. He, bring, do you, bring do it you have this? We'll vamp. It is the same one, but it doesn't look that rusted. Weird. This is great podcast content. Everyone huh. listen to us look at things. <laughs> but he's going to go get That's it. like half the episode. I know. But more so this one, I feel like. But anyway, um, while he does that, uh, is there any other... I guess there's not much else about Mark Carter, but I will say, while we're on the topic of multiplayer things... Um, while we're on the topic of multiplayer things, there's a lot of good multiplayer... Is this is nicer than... Oh, yeah, it is totally rusted. It's the same. Wait, why is, your call, why is yours called Trophy Series? Oh, that's why. The Trophy Series. He's supposed to be a trophy. And trophy, you know, like... That makes sense. He's like an old statue trophy. Yeah, I mean... But how come my packaging's in a normal one and then just says exclusive to walk? This one looks nicer. Yours looks much nicer than mine. I feel like I wasted my four ninety nine. This reminds me of the uh, 
the Burger King Dragon Ball Z uh, figures. I cannot relate to this. And uh, <laughs> they were all like, they're all gray. Hmm. They they had this the same I guess brush look, hmm. but the the Goku one was uh, gold because oh the Super Saiyan Goku was gold. Because he's Super Saiyan. Because he's Super Makes Saiyan. Sense. Makes sense. And uh, me and my cousin buried all of ours in his backyard. <laughs> Wait, and, what? You can't just casually say that. And for some reason, <laughs> like, a, like maybe treasure? 10 years later, we try to bury them back up. They were gone. We do not know. They Did you have sit, a dog we, in that we, time? No. Hmm. We do not know if they were biodegradable. But <laughs> Burger King does. Well, you know yeah, what you're sharing is Burger King's biodegradable. I don't know about McDonald's or Twinkies, but at least Burger King's biodegradable. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, since we are talking about multiplayer stuff, it's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of games are starting to like, there's like big, good multiplayer improvements all around. Um, Pokemon Go has an eSport league now. Like they're calling it the Battle League and you, oh, I do recognize that, I think. I remember from commercials. Mm. It's part of Big Kids Meal commercials, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, like Pokemon Go has a Battle League now. Big or in their midst of watching <laughs> it. Kidding. What? No, but it's actually it's <laughs> kind of cool because they finally are doing online multiplayer in Pokemon Go with anyone you want, not just your friend that you've become a super friend with or whatever. Like you can actually just hop um, in and they revamp the, the battle system. Is that the whole system. coronavirus related thing where like now you don't even have to walk to get your So no. <laughs> so here's what's funny. They rolled that out and they were like, okay, guys, here's how it works. We still want you to walk. Exercise is always part of Pokemon Go. So what you're going to do is you're going to walk. And if you walk three kilometers, you get five chances to do a battle league game of the day if you don't walk you only get two so we give you three bonus and then like two days later they're like so coronavirus you probably shouldn't walk <laughs> so they um they're actually doing they're they're calling it um they're prioritizing updates and experience uh they're prioritizing updates to pokemon go features and experiences mm-hmm. that can be enjoyed in individual settings i really hope they say like for one hour any pokemon from all over the world can be found in your room that's almost what they're doing uh they're in the game will be increasing habitats so that trainers can see more monsters nearby while playing close to home so what that translates to is uh a lot of stuff eggs are gonna twice are gonna hatch twice as fast incense packs which uh normally cost a good amount and last 30 minutes are 99 percent off and cost and now last an hour, meaning um, you just stock up on them and sit at home and get all sorts of Pokemon. Because the incense packs actually do bring in Pokemon you don't normally see. So you're right. And they're also going to have Pokestops uh, drop gifts much more frequently. And all these effects go into – all these changes go into effect right now. And they're going to stay this way until they decide that we're safe from coronavirus. But it goes to show you, like if nothing else, one – it's cool they're doing multiplayer like Mario Kart is. It's a little late like Mario Kart is. But two, it goes to show you just how – coronavirus is seeping into everything like even things you wouldn't expect like oh pokemon go where i just walk around my neighborhood like nope you're not walking anymore what if you walk past someone so here we are the times we live in there is one other multiplayer game worth highlighting though as well and just kind of a psa we talked about last year but um killer queen black i feel like angel correct me if i'm wrong it's become our group's like go-to multiplayer game yeah besides towerfall and i feel like when we first talked about in october towerfall is our talk crap at each other game yeah yeah but uh when we talked about killer queen black last some october or something like that at the time we were in a a few weeks in and there's some weird technical things where like if you wanted to play eight people you needed two switches and to like sync up the switches they've patched that since you just need one switch it's a little confusing how you get eight people going you have to like press a button and cross your fingers and hope that like the killer queen black gods like yes today i will let you play with eight but when it works it works great and it's become i remember at the time angel i think you were saying like 
you don't see it being necessarily a big hit with most people because you have to have strategy or something like, or like you don't necessarily learn the strategy, but I feel like it's really come into its own, maybe just in our group because we all learned it. But like, right, it's kind of like our, it's like really, really fun. It is. Yeah, so I, I, and, and the key the key reason I'm bringing it up besides the fact that they fixed these bugs, it has permanently gotten a price drop to only $10. It used to be 20 So basically this is a friendly quick PSA of go buy Killer Queen Black if you don't yet have it and you do have enough friends to play it because it's really, really fun. It's probably one of the best multiplayer experiences. On also, Switch. they definitely needed to do that because it's really hard to find people to play against online. That's a bummer. Every time, the few times we have tried to play it online, we always run into the same like two people. We oh, keep, okay, that's what you meant. We keep, like, we'll find someone, and then we'll, like, we'll play them, or we'll leave them, try to, like, match up again. Keep getting the same person, like, every time. And, like, maybe, like, one time we got, like, someone else. Yeah. So. And I feel like part of that is because, um, tie that with the fact that they dropped the price by half. I have a feeling the game didn't perform as well as they were hoping. Um, but it deserves some love so and it deserves having more people to play online so that's the really the only reason i brought it up it's just like because we they really need to push like a little league or like some kind of like online tournament they do with something. the arcade version interestingly enough like at actual barcades they, sh- they should but try they to should host do online the, yeah, the, uh, at the bar i guess is it a barcade at the little restaurant connected to uh the stadium that i work at there's a uh, two killer queen machines set up there i didn't well i guess it was just one but right, but the two, but sides, it's, but it's yeah. two sides. Yeah, I didn't know you had Killer Queen at your uh, stadium when, arcade. Didn't thing. you go? I did not. Oh, you didn't go with these guys. That's no, right. I they was. Went up I was to in they went up to Wait, you weren't there. On my birthday weekend, while I was stuck at work in Nashville. No, no, yeah, when, and uh, I went no, celebrating no, 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 when, Nigel, when yeah. Nigel was here. No, yeah, fun. our friend yeah. Nigel. He really should have been there. I would have if I was at work. Who was it that Victor, Victor, Nigel, and somebody else? Was it Eric and Fabian? Oh, it was Fabian. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Shout out to all those people. You got to go too. No, I did. Oh, I did separately. Yeah. You're right. Thank you. Yes, yes, you did hook that up. Thank you. Um, and that was fun too, especially when you spied on us through the security camera. I knew where he you sends, guys were. He sends me a text of me and it was our, it was Gilbert, me and Gilbert sitting, like way up in the stands, just really zoomed in. Like it was as if you're just standing in front of us. It was really <laughs> weird. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Killer Queen Black, I do think, and I think this is a problem, and we do we're guilty of this too. But the way that a lot of Nintendo stuff is covered. And the way Nintendo promotes stuff and third parties is um, the game comes out. Yay, let's talk about it. Or, you know, it's about to come out. Hey, this game looks really cool. Let's talk about it. It comes out. Yay, that's great. Two weeks later, never heard of again. Maybe there's a few that get some big DLC. We talk about Sword and Shield, Breath of the Wild, you know that. But for the most part, a lot of these games, it's like flash in the pants that gets out. No one really talks about it. And then they improve. Like Killer Queen Black fixed issues dropped its price but no one's ever going to talk about it again so i'm starting a campaign right here right now for everyone to go buy killer queen black i have no pull whatsoever but this is my attempt tumble seed did its best to fix itself way after it got released right and no one like we talked about it tumble was, seed. But it felt like it was kind of too late i liked the and game initially because it was difficult but yeah. you know that ended up being one of its biggest downsides yeah, yeah. and and that's the thing is like we never talked about the update because at that point it wasn't really in our mindset relevant but, like, how do people learn about these things? Because I feel like Nintendo, they pushed Killer Queen Black really hard that one E3. It got delayed a year. And then Nintendo put out a tweet like, oh, yeah, I remember this game. It's out. And that was it. And then no one talked about it. And it's just, like, there's games that have potential. Especially in this day and age where, like, a game's release doesn't define its popular. Like, when it's released doesn't define when it gets popular. Like, stuff, like old retro games on Switch. <laughs> Look at Witcher 3. Come back. Look at Witcher 3, like we were talking about last episode. So it's just kind of an odd thing that we're all guilty of. That's just how hype cycles work and news cycles work, where it's like, oh, this is really cool. I don't care anymore, and it's only been one day. Like, that sort of thing. So, 
I don't know. Go buy Killer Queen Black. Anyway, last topic. Lego Mario. Yes. So this is the most wholesome of all the topics, I feel like. Like, I feel like after all the somewhat doom and gloom and then our distaste for a Mario Kart tour, we can end on a happy note. Yeah, we need is, some wins, windy we need up some, in this. Yeah. So um, they made Legos that are Mario. And Mario, but made of Legos. Actually, Lego. The plural of Lego, I learned, is Lego. No S. Really? You just when learned did you learn I this? learned that when I saw a clip from Will Ferrell's Lego Masters on his Twitter where he was correcting someone about Or no, no, no. It wasn't on his Twitter. It was him on Kimmel. And he kept saying Lego. And Kimmel kept going, how much are they paying you to not say the S? He's like, no, you don't understand. That's not the word. And he kept, like, correcting him. Every, like, they kept going back and forth for, like, the whole interview. Every time Lego came. You also got the wrong Will. What? Did I say Will Smith? You said... <laughs> you got the wrong... Will you said, you you said Will Ferrell. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah, you whoa, Will, Will Arnett. No, I love Will Arnett. How did I mix him up with Will Ferrell? <laughs> did I say Will Smith? You got it wrong twice. <laughs> Terrible. Wait, are you saying I said Will Forte? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But uh, no, yeah, Will uh, Defoe. Did I say Ferrell? <laughs> you should have said M. Defoe because it's, he goes by William. But anyway. I know. Anyway, yeah, so Nintendo and Lego announced this thing. Uh, they're describing it as neither a video game nor a traditional Lego brick-based set. Instead, that's fair because it clearly looks like neither of those. I know yeah. it's a new product. Li- yeah, it's a new product line that's interactive. You have this figurine; it can um, collect coins in these real life levels you make with these Lego esque bricks. Um, and and it looks achieve- like modules. You have a bunch of yes. modules. You have a piranha plant module. You have a space module. You have coin block modules that you just connect like Legos, I guess, but more like. A train carts. Yeah, and what and what's interesting is like to like achieve, a Mario Party board, I guess. Yeah, actually, that's a good analogy. And what they're doing to achieve this is the Lego Mario is not a normal mini figurine. It's like the quadruple size one that includes three tiny screens. There's one on his chest to simulate the coin grabbing, and it tells you when you stomp enemies. Your and it's a timer, mm-hmm. and it shoots fire. So I guess he has a heartburn mode or something. I assume it means you die, but the fire's a little weird because there's no fire in normal Mario when you die. You just go to a black oh. screen. But um, basically, everything you do in the level gives you coins. It makes the appropriate sounds and a speaker in the back of his head. And from what the video showed, you start by placing Mario in a warp pipe that kicks off the timer. And then you got to go and get all the coins you can in the level you built. You know, you stomp on Goomba, you built, you get it that way. Uh, you do a spin move by rotating a platform with a lever, you get it that way. Uh, there's some physicality where you can actually like flick something that sends Mar- that sort of springs Mario off a platform into like a piranha plant. You get coins that way. And that's kind of the gist of it. But what did you guys think of it when you saw it? Or now, after you sat on those thoughts for a few days. I was just curious what the limitations that it's setting it so far that keeps you from simply just, like, making Mario go straight to the board pipe. I mean, to the to the flag at the end. Like, obviously, they have something... Well, it's about who gets the most coins. Really? That's it? It's a coin challenge. Oh, that's, like, the worst thing that, of every Well, because you're game. building the level. So how do they determine if you're doing the level right? You, well, exactly. The, the whole idea is because uh, because if you, that's the thing. Like I figure, like if I thought they would have something in place. I mean, like toys are pretty smart nowadays. That if you connect all these modules together, it'll know what modules are connected. And because you have a very strict time limit, you would pretty much be forced to go through every single one because they would know if you skip some. And you know, it might still do that. It might. I so don't it's, actually. So it's kind of like a time trial, and like you know, kind of like a. I don't know. I guess it'd be almost like a puzzle. So it's like, all right, you have to take the path. You have to do the spin. You have to pretty much make sure you do everything as fast as possible to get to the end. I mean, that's what I first assumed. If it's just about getting coins. I, I like may be wrong. Or maybe but it's also it. clearly not aimed at us. That's the thing that like, kind of... Like, I mean, honestly, I love the idea. I think it's cool. I think it's great that Nintendo, when they did do this partnership with Lego, is doing something unique and different that 
definitely that doesn't just Lego sets. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that literally yeah. doesn't look like anything I've seen before. But yeah. it's well, while well, it's so... cool and exciting, I actually do hope somewhere are the normal Lego sets because I do yes. want to see like a you know like how they have the Simpsons house, but make it Bowser's Castle or, or get other franchises and make Hyrule Castle from Temple of Time, uh, make sixty uh, four. Oh, yeah, Peach, ship, yeah. Peach's Peach Castle. Both castles. Oh, well, man. to that point, they're going to be re- to that point. If you look at the current block, oh, that's... Bother's airship. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> we need to just take a soundbite of that oh, man, and just good. have it on file. Or just make like a giant like N sixty four style Bowser that you have to. That'd be that super level. cool. Oh, and and God. here's the thing. So here's the thing. First of all, first of all, there are more sets coming. This there's apparently at normal sets or no 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 this? at least of this to your idea of like but they're probably gonna get more live. They're saying um or not. Oh, yeah, I mean, I would imagine they. Definitely needed to get more of that. It was leaked by a Dutch Lego fan site called Stone something that there are there are thirteen listings in the European like SKU system for his stuff, ranging in price from blind bags at three hundred or three at three dollars and ninety nine cents. Blind bags. Three, hold on for the for the enemies. I'm guessing there'll be blind bag. You know, Goomba, Monty Ball. Of course, dude, they're gonna make money that way. But no, so those blind bags. They don't actually know if they're blind bags. All they know is it's four euros a pop, which translates to four fifty US for those little ones. I'm guessing they're enemies. All the way up to um, a 99 euro set or about 110 bucks, if you do, which means it'll be 9999 here, which is going to be the complete like starter kit or whatever. So it's very possible in those 13, we're going to get a castle, we're going to get an airship, we're going to get whatever. There's still, but that's the thing, they're still not going to be the elaborate, super fancy ones that I think we all kind of want to see. And that to me is what kind of not rub me wrong way but that's the thing when i watched the trailer, I was like this is really cool and like even the way they start it with the little like clicking in the bricks to the rhythm of mario theme i was like oh that's really good um but it looks something about it looks very like duplo-y it looks more like duplo than lego it looks more childish yeah, than it oh yeah because nothing is yeah. really like yeah because it's not mm. traditional Legos, like that's no, but I mean, but like they, it's like everything's like rounded corners and it's like very like it looks very like a duplo product which it, is kind of funny because well it exactly your point yeah. it doesn't look like a lego product yeah it looks just like a regular toy set mm-hmm. i watch the trader again but what's kind of funny is like nintendo has done more elaborate ones they have the connect line with, for mario kart which oh, is so like a competitor they do they have uh the nanoblock pokemon which are super elaborate made of small bricks so it's odd i mean it's intentional but part of me is like why is this one yeah, the i don't one think that's anything on here uses a normal lego they do brick. they do a little so um i wrote oh yeah i guess the paths the pad yeah. and some of the enemies, the Goombas and stuff, are made up of. Well, I mean, they're custom. They're, they're definitely they're cu- not. Yeah, exactly. They're That's custom. not normal Lego. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, Those are ch- they, they call them cheater blocks. Right, right. But uh, like, it's interesting. Like, if you ignore the target demo, and what we may want as adult fans, and just focus on what it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. If you ignore, if you ignore that, like, it's actually. I was gonna say, obviously, you gotta give them credit where it's due, because like. I did. They're letting you said it's terrible, right? No, before that. Oh yeah, I yeah. love the idea of what they're doing. No, the idea is cool because it's not just like oh, it's something interactive. They're literally letting kids do a video game in real life. They made a tangible physical video game. Yeah, it's Analog Mario. Yeah, and like this project was apparently in the works for four years, so they've yeah. been working really, like, really trying to make this happen. And what's wild is like they're using all sorts of interesting tech to make it happen. Like obviously, there's the color screen on the Lego itself, which is kind of neat. Um, what but, am I like, just having the, that Mario? In that right, game. that's what I'm thinking too. But in the, in the same way that they've kind of done, like, unique Freaky. cool stuff with Labo and Ring Fit, where they essentially gamified a common object, you know, a, a cardboard, a lap band thing, and now Lego bricks, although not quite. Um, they're kind of, they're doing the same thing. And there's this interview with, uh, I guess he's the, the, the digital design manager for this whole project, a guy named Jonathan Bennick. 
And uh, he was Got a ta- problem he, with that last thing. No, I just it was fun to say Benick. But he was talking to a site called Brothers Brick, the Brothers Brick, which I guess is a big Lego site. Um, they did a whole interview with him, and apparently, this is how serious this collaboration is. And this is why I'm like, we gotta give him credit. It's not for us. Takashi Tezuka, who you may recognize as the guy who's basically the keeper of all 2D Mario under Miyamoto. He worked on the series forever. He directed my all-time fave, Super Mario World. He directed Super Mario Three. He's the producer of the entire new Super Mario Brothers series. He did this with them. So Nintendo approached it like they were making a Mario game, but it's physical. And that's really cool. Like it was to the point where um, Nintendo actually handled all the play testing and worked with them to figure out how like building a level would work. So they basically like, he also produced Mario Maker. So it's like, it's very much, they're treating it like a video game. And the thing is to your um, point, Angel, to that end, they made some decisions. Like you can't actually build a level wrong. There's just different ways to build a level. It's almost like... Um, Mario a, Maker? Yeah, it's almost like Mario Maker. And they were giving a few examples in the interview. Like, they did playtesting all over the world in all these different countries. And, like, some people built a lava level first. They were saying that one girl built a sand level because it was hot outside that day. Someone else made, like... Um, actually, that's the only two examples I have written here, apparently. But um, my point is, like, they, like, they're letting people do their own thing. And that's kind of cool on that level. And then the tech they're doing in tandem with that's actually interesting. It turns out... If you look at it, it looks like it's NFC, right? Like you tap the Legos and they see, you know, it's like, oh, it tapped. It's not. It's an optical sensor. So what they're doing is on the bottom of his feet, it can read a selection of color palettes of Lego bricks. And then they also have little stickers that are pre-applied on things like uh, Bowser Jr.'s shield or the Piranha Plant. And you can see them in the trailer if you look really closely. And they Bowser are basically, Jr.'s shield? That's verbatim what he says in the quote. Huh. Uh, and uh, no shield on him. Well, take it up Did with mean take it up with yeah, my friend Jonathan Benick. But uh, no, he uh, he might mean the shell, but it says shield, copy pasted. But the point is, they have these little barcodes, and it's actually Mario reading those barcodes in real time that triggers some of the more elaborate reactions if you're fighting a boss or a bigger enemy or something. And then otherwise, it's using color coding of the bricks. So it's actually like a real. It's very similar to how Labo would you put the sticker in and it would use that. So it's actually kind of kind of cool tech. Um, and it sounds like there's other stuff at play. You know the, the Bluetooth thing. They're not talking about what that is. All they said is it doesn't connect to the Switch. I don't it know. doesn't? It does not connect okay. to the Switch. Uh, but also they're talking about different characters, and they point out Mario's head can come off. So you can use your imagination about what that means in terms of other things. So I'm guessing they're going to be able to swap in different things. Characters? Okay. <laughs> or like different, like maybe different interactive elements because the head could have some of the brains for the screen. I don't know. So it's possible that they can upgrade Mario's functionality in the future is what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, it seems like they're doing a lot of cool stuff. And at one point, he was going to be yellow. They're going to make him Lego brick yellow, and then they realize that looked really weird and mm. scaled that back. But um, yeah, and, and then also, I guess if you're a Lego fanatic, whoever out there is, uh, yeah, we already know it's entirely new block designs. Which I feel like that would only work if they like get rid of his nose, but they would also have to make him like down to normal Lego brick size. Cause that, if they that, do what? The yellow? Yeah, they do yellow. Oh, uh, then he'd be a Simpson. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're all Simpsons. I know, yeah. But yeah. apparently um, the new Lego bricks were specifically kind of designed how they look to uh, based on Super Mario 3D World, which coincidentally is what Super Nintendo World is modeled after. So clearly these partnerships were forged around the same time, and I bet you the Mario movies have that same aesthetic now too. I think that's all from the it's gonna same It's going to be all era. Lego? No, it's going to be all <laughs> like the Mario 3D World look. Oh. But um, yeah, it, I guess the point is whether like we're into it or not, whether it's kitty or not, it is cool that I, mean, I feel like all that. Yeah, it, 
it's the same. It's lab all over again. It's lab all over again. Yeah. But what it's is cool? cool it may not be for everybody, but I mean, I'm glad yeah. Nintendo is being weird and trying stuff. And but. and what I really like is like these more elaborate partnerships with Mario IPs. Like they really get that it's not just the character. The character is a stand-in for this certain type of interactivity. Like sure, other collaborations are fine. Like on Mario Day, they announced those Levi Mario jeans. You're getting those overalls, the, Levi, right? the overalls with the coins coming out of the back yeah. pocket. No. What? Are you? Are you? Of course. Are you? Yeah. You go wear them. Yeah. Really? In the world? Sure. You can't say it with a straight face. Um, because I'm considering it. Kevin, what about you? Would you buy How those? much are they? 20 bucks? No, like try like 80 or 60. No, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't wear overalls. Neither do I. Don't, I. I, don't have, I don't have anything against them. I just don't wear them. I don't wear them either. I, I, I wore them in the bagosh days when I was a small, small child. But I mean, maybe I'm going to go paint a fence or something. You're going to paint a fence in your Mario jeans and ruin them? Mario overalls and ruin That's them? That's what overalls are for, right? For working? Or for bopping on turtles, I guess. I don't know. The worker man's uniform. But anyway. Wait, man. so is that Kent? Are we to believe that when he collects them, he puts them in his back pocket? <laughs> <laughs> I think he shoves them in every surface he can. Like, is he that, is that where they them. come? Where do they go otherwise? Actually, this is a really good question. Where do the coins go? I guess it's Well, I guess it's back pocket. I guess I that's Kent. That's a lot. Of, I guess so. But the, the that's interesting. Mm. But yeah, the point I was um, getting at with the Levi's and stuff, like those collaborations are cool. And, like, the Uniqlo line did really well for them so much that they did two more lines after that. And, like, the Vans one was super hot the summer it came out. But it's just giving existing fans a way to kind of show their fandom. It's very much the Comic-Con thing I was saying earlier. What's cool about Super Nintendo World and the Lego Mario thing and all that is it goes beyond that. Like, you can be into Legos and then maybe check out Lego Mario. You can be into, you know, as a younger kid or your Duplo is an upgrade. You can be at Universal Studios and be like, oh, this power-up wristband thing is really interesting and have fun at Super Nintendo World and then maybe make your way further into Nintendo fandom. So these are, like, very forward-thinking, and I think that's what's very interesting. Is like the, It's like Nintendo has two tracks. They have just the, like, we'll license their stuff out like Disney does and just make some merch money off existing fans. But this other track where they're actually doing interesting new things, different things, innovative things, you could say things is um, the much more fascinating one. They're basically taking what we, or at least I have always liked about Nintendo, weird Nintendo and applying it outside of just games, which is super cool in my opinion. So yeah, I'm probably going to buy like at least the Mario just to say I have it. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how much they support it. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Like, are they going to do a series two? Are they going to do a series three? Probably just a one and done. Maybe I don't know if no, it sells well. We'll say I, I give this three series tops. Yeah. How many How many right. rounds did Labo go? Three. <laughs> but the difference with Lego is it's a very established brand. Labo, you're trying to sell kids on cardboard and STEM sure. toys. Lego's like the biggest toy brand in the world. Mm. So there's oh. a chance it could blow up. But it's so different from regular Legos that who knows. I do think it opens an interesting opportunity for them to flip this a little. Like if they can do a Lego... Mario, they could, they totally could do a Mario, a Lego Mario game. Because right, I mean, let's say yeah, Alpha sure. Dream, let's say Alpha Dream. Oh boy, you know they went under, right? Or yeah. supposedly they closed. That was the report a year ago. The developers of Mario and Luigi, the series. Right. If that's the case, and Nintendo decides to sunset the Mario and Luigi games because they don't have their dev studio that's made all of them, there's a nice void there for a meta parody game to show up, and it will be a different genre, but it the fills that same the Lego games. Traveler's, uh, Traveler's Tales. Tales. Traveler's Tales. Okay, but um, it basically like. It lets them do a different genre of Mario, create a different type of game, do a crossover with a very popular series, and kind of hit the like self-aware Mario game void or mark that Mario and Luigi may no longer do. 
So I'm kind no of may no longer like have. So I'm kind of um, I'm kind of hopeful they do that. I'm really curious to see how that would look through the lens of, you know, Traveler Tales every game they ever do. And like those Lego games are supposedly I've played a couple downs, but I never actually played. But they're apparently pretty fun. And like if you're a fan of the thing they're parodying, they do a very good job and a lot of deep jokes and Easter eggs and stuff. So like, I'd be cool with that. Maybe that's something that's kind of layered to see in tandem with the toys. I don't know. They haven't even said when the toys are coming out. So. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I think that's. A, I think that of all the topics we talked today, talked about today, that feels like a good one to be our last. Like, look at that. Look at that little Mario with reactionary expressions on his face. Face is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd be okay if they made it a clock. Like a lot of people, when the teaser came out on Mario Day, were like, "Oh, I hope it's not just a clock." Like that was a real thing people were saying. Like just a big Lego themed Mario clock. But like, if you had that little Lego figurine and you can charge it. Um, you know, next to your bed and you're a kid and it also showed you the time. Mario's eyes like, 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 you know, wake up when your alarm clock goes up. Yeah. Like that would actually, it'd be almost like a Mario Furby without the annoyance. Hmm. They should, hey, has, no, not Hasbro. Hey, Lego, not that you're listening, but like you should do that as a charging mode. Kids would eat that up. Have Mario wake you up. (laughs) But anyway, I don't know if there's any other topics you guys want to talk about. Um, I've retired the the item block. We have it has expired. Uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's All it. All right, so that does it for this episode. Um, we'll be back two weeks time on March 29th, assuming we all survive the next few weeks. I hope everyone stays safe out there. But uh, it's, it's going to be a good episode, I think, because it's going to be pretty like Animal Crossing tastic. We're having impressions of New Horizons, um, the latest news, whatever it may be. Rumor is we're finally getting the long, long delayed Nintendo Direct. I forgot which site reported it, but they were saying this coming week is an Indie World presentation, perhaps, and then the week of the 26th will be a Direct. If that's the case, you can expect all our analysis. If that's not the case, we're just going to talk about how much we love bug catching and Animal Crossing, I guess. But to make sure you don't miss it, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on every platform you can think of. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, which I now realize I think Google Podcasts is still called Google Music. Or Google Plus Music or whatever. It's not actually called Google Podcasts yet. They said they're going to rebrand it, and then they didn't. And I keep using the brand that's not official yet. Anyway, it's on those. It's on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. It's on TuneIn. It's on Pandora. It We. We are on all those things. We are on YouTube. Our channel is RamNintendo.com. Individual, you can find us on the internet. I am on the Twitter, specifically the Twitters <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> I am jsr 7 Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomez. Kevin, I won't trample on it this time. The last word. Uh, Wash your hands, people.